All right, everybody, a quick programming note. Um, you're going to hear some references to this episode. Originally, when we did this, we thought we were going to do this as one episode. But as it turns out, the total length of that episode turned out to be four hours and 17 fucking American minutes. <laughs> so we're going to split this up. As opposed to four hours and 17 metric minutes yeah so uh uh i apologize you're going to hear some references into this uh, as to how we're going to talk about endgame later in 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 actuality um we separated that as a different download for you um um, so again i apologize for our lack of planning and i don't know why we thought we could talk about uh, endgame in less than two hours um it was obviously game of thrones in in, in the same episode probably not realistic so yeah it should have been six hours yeah for sure zelda game of thrones a Huge. separate episode yeah. all right everybody thanks for listening uh hope you enjoyed the next episode if like i said if you're not interested in game of thrones you can skip the later part of this and go right to end game that'll be a separate download in your feed talk to you later bye anyway. freak out freak out freak out Ooh, yeah i mean it worked with miss elizabeth <laughs> you gotta leave that in that's staying in there i guess um All right, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 116 of the Whatever Show. Uh, we're back, baby. Um, we haven't been on the air for quite a while uh, for lots of various reasons, which we're going uh, to leave as an exercise to the listener. Um, it's not really important. Good news is, though, we are back. We think we got a, this all figured out, and we should be delivering regular content to your eardrums uh, probably about weekly, maybe bi-weekly, something like that. I'm, yeah. I'm shooting for weekly. Yeah, um, we had to do this one this week. This, this one was- is required. Uh, um and I think for me, this is what, you know, really, you know, like, I, I, I actually started getting withdrawals because when I got done, um, of course, this week we're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. And when I got done watching Endgame, the first thought I had was, well, there were two that happened almost simultaneously. One was, holy shit, I got to go spend 20 hours researching the little clang, uh, you know, uh, noise. And then number two was, um, well, I got a podcast about this. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I think it was without saying, we are going to um, spoil a couple of things um, that are big, big, big uh, pop culture topics this week. One, of course, as Eddie just said, Avengers uh, Endgame. Uh, two, we just had Season 8, Episode 3, uh, The Battle for Winterfell of Game, Game of Thrones. Um, and so, uh, it goes without saying, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Yeah, um, we're going to do a lot of them during this episode. And so, if you haven't seen either of those two things... Uh, yeah, if we're going to talk about a video game for a while. If you're and... amazingly spoiler averse, then I, I'd say you know watch watch one or both of those and then come back. Um, we're going to try to leave it though. Uh, we'll spend some time up top talking about other things, and yeah. then um, we'll come back and we will warn you with plenty of notice that you're uh, heading into spoiler territory. So just be aware if you have not seen Avengers Endgame yet, what what are you doing with your life? Go see it right now. And number two, uh, same thing with Game of Thrones, episode season uh, uh, eight, episode three. Yeah, um, um, I think we should start. Um, with the story behind your um, amazing floral decal laden yeah. uh, MacBook. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's really two things here uh, that happened about at the same time. So the first one is uh, I was wanting to start tinkering around developing iOS apps. Um, I don't really have anything specific in mind. I just thought it'd be fun and it's something I wanted to learn. But I don't have a Mac. And as you are all aware, well, well aware of, Macs are spendy. Um, and secondarily, now is not a good time to buy a Mac for a lot of reasons, um, not the least of which is that they're probably the most expensive they've ever been. And they also have huge reliability problems with the keyboard's 
uh, and the port selection fucking sucks. If, if you're going to buy a new Mac right now, I'm just throwing this out there, go the Mac mini route and um, bring your own monitor. And, yeah, and if you don't need a, if you don't need either like the power of an iMac Pro or you don't need the portability of a laptop, then yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely go Mac mini because that's a solid, that's actually a solid it, middle ground machine. I, think. I, I was really down on this year's Mac mini until they switched it up because it was originally still shipping with DDR3L. Uh, yeah. RAM and they changed it to DDR4 pretty recently, which does have a disadvantage in that it's harder to keep the DDR4 cool, um, but uh, it does run much faster. And the for your money, the Mac money probably gives you the biggest bang. Yeah, you know what I forgot too. Hey guys, Ryan's here with us this, this week. Of course, no no Avengers Hi, discussion would be hey. complete without Ryan Bailey here. Hello, so. Guys. Uh, we invited him to come nerd out with us. And unfortunately for him, the first you know hour and a half when we talk about Game of Thrones, he he doesn't watch the show. So I mean, I have I he's just haven't gotten six, caught up. I think yeah yeah halfway oh, through okay. season six is where I'm at. Oh, and you're gonna stare? You're still sitting in on this, man. You're yeah. brave. Okay. I, I'll, by the time I get to watch it, I'll probably forget. So yeah, and there's a good chance like if you want to go on the internet in the next any time, you're gonna get spoiled, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get there. But uh, okay, like, anyway. Aegon Greyjoy, which dickless one is that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his name is Reek. Uh, so anyway, um, I'm, so I wanted to develop iOS apps. It's not a good time to buy a Mac and they're really expensive. So, uh, my little sister actually had, uh, has a MacBook Air she's had sitting around. It's a 2014-ish MacBook Air. She's had sitting around on her shelf. Yeah. Um, honestly, 2015 is when they kind of fell off in terms of like computers that I like. Uh, um, they're still good computers, but there's a lot of compromises and things that I don't like about them. But this is a 2014 MacBook Air. So she loaned it to me graciously and I've been using that, you know, a little bit. And then, uh, 2014 rocking two or four gigs. This is a four gig machine and we're, you know, in the Mojave days, really pushing up against that four gigs quite a lot of the times. So I have to, I have to manage memory a little bit more than I'd like, meaning, you know, actually close applications because the last time I used a Mac, it was also a four gig machine and I just never, you know, unless I had some reason to, I never closed applications because I, I, you could always have space, but that's the last time I used it full time was like Lion, I think. Huh? Ash had a MacBook at one time. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. bought we bought a um we bought me a new MacBook, and then a couple of years after we bought her basically the same model but used, and it was much much cheaper by that point. So yeah, um, but actually, those both died, and the, I, the next time I buy a computer, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try really hard to go for a MacBook or at least a a, um, a refurb or something like that because I've been using um so I'm not gonna get too far into it uh but I've been using this Mac and in um for the last several years now I've been using an iPad as my primary like mobile machine, which is to say like where I do probably ninety percent of my computing is either on my phone or on an iPad. I do do a lot of computing at home, obviously, playing games on stuff on my big beefy PC. Um, but just generally speaking, I, I do my work on the iPad. I do my work on um, um, on my iPhone. Um, but yeah, I got Mac uh, uh, Mac back again, and I got Mac OS again. And I just, I forgot f- how much I fucking love OS X, uh, or, or, you know, now Mac OS. It is so good, and there's so many ways in which that, like, I would fight my iPad uh, that I just don't have to fight with macOS, which is very, very nice. And I actually find another weird phenomenon, too, is the reverse is also true. Like, there's still some things, like, um, particularly around certain apps, that still just don't have an analog um, uh, on macOS. I can't turn Mac it sideways OS. and read comic books very easily. Yeah, that's the other thing that's painful. Um, so, you know, one of the big things that I, I do with my uh, iPad is I, I read on it. And, uh, you know, reading on a MacBook is not nearly as good for lots and lots of obvious and sundry reasons. So, uh, and then the second thing that happened uh, with me using my my Mac, uh, or you know, uh, my my loner MacBook uh, Air is that my iPad got stolen. Um, so we were at work. Um, I work in a restaurant. We were getting ready for a big big inspection. I'm running back and forth from back of the house to the front of the house. I sit down in front of the house. I set my iPad on a table. 
and I, I go to help with a customer thing, get distracted because it's busy. We're getting ready for an inspection. Come back 20 minutes later, my iPad's gone. So I'm like, well, fuck, maybe when I was doing this thing back in the stock room, I left it back there. So I, I go through everything. I go through every open box and every place I can set the thing down because I'm also notorious for doing that. Like as I'm walking around on the shift, I'm basically finding, you know, clever places to put my iPad where nothing's going to get dropped or spilled on it. Uh, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I look, I spend a good hour looking and I can't. I uh, can't find it. And so then I'm like, okay, well, that's no problem. We got video on the front. I can probably go find out how it went down. And there's a decent chance that I'm going to know the, the culprit. And so I go and I look at the video and I'm watching the video and I'm like, okay, there's my iPad. There's my iPad. There's my iPad. And it just disappears. Like some matrix level bullshit where like the video skips and I, and I notice, oh, it skipped 30 sec- 37 seconds in ahead. And then my iPad's gone. So it I'm was like, a planned heist. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, holy fuck, man. I got ripped <laughs> off by Neo. I was like, this, this is crazy. Like somebody hacked my shit and stole my iPad. Uh, um, not for real, you know, but it was a fun theory. But actually, no, I, I was telling my boss about it a couple days later. And he's like, no, it's actually a bug in the firmware of the DVR. You only have to, if you download short bursts, short clips, you'll be able to find it. So I did that. Uh, and lo and behold, the video worked just fine. Um, and I could see the dude and it's, it's pretty obvious. He does that thing where he's sort of wandering around, you know, pretending to be, uh, nonchalant, but you can see him kind of like half eye and side, given the side eye to the ipad it's like is anybody looking now is anybody looking now and then you see the moment where he's like yep going for it it goes grabs it puts it under his arm walks right out the front door um and i was like well fuck i'm never seeing that again um so i go do the normal thing file a police report um uh, you know it's an ipad it's an ipad pro um it is a fairly spendy piece of kit you know like i, I think i bought it for 650 or 700 bucks or something it like that does have a 120 hertz screen yeah it, it's the big boy um so uh um I did it and, uh, I, I took the thing in and I was like, so I, you know, I don't know anything about who this guy is and, uh, or anything like that, but you know, here's the video. Hopefully there's something you can do with that. Um, you know, like, can I post on Facebook and just say, does anybody know who's this, who this guy is? And he goes, actually, let us do it. Um, we do that all the time. And so far uh, over the years we've been using it, we've only failed to identify one singular person. Uh, and so he gets back to me like in the next day or two and he's like, okay, so we found the guy and, uh, his, uh, girlfriend sold the iPad to one of those stupid little kiosk things. You know, like if you walk into a Walmart or something like that, or, you know, various malls and whatever, um, yeah, you can, you know, drop your old tablets into, you know, basically like an ATM machine style thing and it'll give you some money back for it. You've got to be unlocked to do that though. So that's crazy. Well, the thing is, I, I, this one must not have because they did there. I don't know what the software test or even if there is a software test, I've never used one of these machines, but, um, you know, they give you the, the, the lowest of low value for your shit and you have to answer questions about it. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's no software check and you just said, oh yeah, it's unlocked. It's fine. Uh, and the machine took it, spit out 50 bucks or whatever for my $700 iPad. I'm sure it's probably not going to be more than $100 he got for the goddamn thing. Um, and then split. Uh, but the good news is the officer was able to contact the company. The company's return shipping it. I still haven't received it yet, but hopefully when we sit down and talk next week, he said it usually takes a couple weeks for this to get it all turned around and stuff like that. But they were able to identify my serial number. And so hopefully when we sit down next week, I'll be doing it again with my uh, my shiny new iPad. Shiny new old iPad. Your, your, your shiny iPad. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's enough of me talking. And, I, and I'm very excited about this ne- next topic. If you go back and listen to some of the old episodes, there is a point in which I get a Nintendo Switch and I get Legend of Zelda and I promptly disappear yeah. from the face of the think, earth for about two solid weeks. Think December of, of 20, uh, last year, last year, 20, year before yeah, 2017. 2017 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, with that, Matt, Matt recently picked up a copy of Breath of the Wild and I would love for you to tell me your feelings about it. Um, I only just rolled off the couch from playing it. Yeah, I don't blame for the me. last for the last three weeks. 
No, um, my wife has filed for divorce, and no, <laughs> she's not quite. <laughs> he thinks he hasn't seen her in days, and uh, there's this weird packet sitting on the floor of the mail where the, it just gets dumped in every day. Yeah, it's piled up under you know old newspapers and things. Um, there's just so much to do with this game. It's it's nuts. Um, one of the things I like about uh, you know some of the some of the newer video games that we have are that they're more open world. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably honestly one of the most open world games I've played uh, because and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tread mildly on the spoiler territory with it because I don't want to I don't want to give away all the secrets but uh, when you start out you're kind of on this high plateau you can't get down because you'll die um, and you know aside from like the the kind of linear dude gives you a, a job to go do these things and then he'll give you his kite thing that you can you can float down on once you're down on the mainland the sky's the limit like you you wander around you find things um this game is largely predicated around um finding shrines that these elder hylian monks have created and most mostly they're um they're puzzle oriented shrines um once you complete them you get a spirit orb from the monk and he fades into nothingness um for each four spirit orbs you can trade them to a statue of a goddess for either a heart container um no it's not alexa bliss i I checked a legend of zelda uh classic uh or um an increased stamina stamina wheel which you know if we're talking alexa bliss maybe you need need the stamina Uh, yeah (laughs) um um, of course that's probably misogyny i'm sorry yeah it is a little bit but mm. i just i was riffing off the goddess thing isn't she the goddess yes that's one of her like you know all the wrestlers have a nickname yeah yeah um she is hot though so I I've gone largely in fact I've I've only done heart containers at this point. Um I am one spirit orb away from having enough heart containers to officially go on my quest for the master sword. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. The master sword is kind of a game changer. Uh, a little bit, a little bit because um have have you do you know any details about it? So I know it doesn't break, but it does it does deactivate for 10 minutes real time yeah um, and but it only does that when you're using um using it against uh non-ganon created creatures well it's sort of so the ganon created creatures actually you do 60 damage instead of 30 right 30 is its base um but uh, eventually the sword doesn't break but it doesn't need a recharge so it, it does become unusable for that 10 minute period um where you can't really do anything with it um you have to let it recharge and then you can go back to slaying stuff with it so one of, one of the fun things about this game is that um it creates challenge in that all of your weapons, with the exception of a few weapons um, or pieces of armor that you get throughout the uh, the game, um, all of them break. Um, and when I say break, I mean they're, they're just they're done. You you don't have it anymore, and so you yeah. Gotta... It's not even like you know take them to the local blacksmith and repair them, which is a mechanic that a lot of games have. Uh, you know, like Skyrim does that. I think where and, you have to go get your shit repaired and you every do now and then. Run across a select few weapons like that, um, like the trident. Mm. Uh, but by and by and large, like a lot of the game is um, making sure that you have enough weapons in your inventory for different scenarios. Um, for example, if you're wandering through a lightning storm, you don't want to be carrying weapons or armor or not armor. The ar- your armor is mostly fine. It's um, it's your shield. Yep, your armor will fuck you up too. Um, you you need to have you know uh, basically things that aren't metal. So some of the armor types are metal. Um, like I think when you go to Goron City, I think that's a metal armor type, and there's others oh, like gotcha, that too. Gotcha. Yeah. I have, I have. What do I have right now? It looks metal, but I don't know that it is because I haven't had any. The only things I've had to change 
during thunderstorms have been my shield, my bow, and my mm-hmm. my main my main weapon. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives you hints, you know, like if you start crackling all of a sudden, you probably oh, want to take that died shit like off. Eight times before I would just googled it, like, or, like I I think I literally googled are 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 lightning storms unsurvivable or something like that because yeah. I was I was slow as shit fig- figuring that out. So um, I was uh, yeah. I I think I was climbing a mountain yesterday and. I was like, why am I on fire all of a sudden? And it's because it was really fucking hot. Um, so yeah, you, things, things happen. Um, anyway, I can't recommend this game enough, especially if you're somebody who is a fan of the Zelda franchise to begin with. Even if you're not though, I think this is, this is a really good jumping on point because the game is so, it's so easy to pick up and, and just figure shit out. Plus it does a really good job of telling you different things. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, we didn't talk about it a ton when you first got it because I know you were trying to avoid um, spoiling things, ruining the game for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you really ruin Legend of Zelda though? You can actually. There's parts of this that I, I'd, I'd say I, I'm fairly, fairly uh, spoiler averse on. Like, I'm glad I went into it blind because there's a lot of things, even with just the mechanics. Like, there was a lot of things that just figuring out were a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so, I, the, you know, that whole thing was just great. Like, I, I, this is a very different Zelda game. So, like, that's one of the other things you can ruin about it a little bit is that, like, everybody will describe it to you as a very different Zelda game. And it takes a little bit of actually, like, experiencing that so you can see exactly how different it is. Um, it, but it, it, it definitely is. Like, um, it is very, very different, different, uh, different from previous Zelda games. And it has a lot of other stuff going on for it. Um, there's, of course, story elements too, which I think are a lot of fun in the thing. Um, the, you know, I, I'd say Zelda is, not as story driven as it is um um gameplay driven um but even the gameplay elements like there are certain things that you just don't want to uh 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 not learn on your own basically um i feel like gameplay though for legend of zelda has always been a thing like they've always oh that's that's gameplay yeah that's definitely true i'll give you that but like whereas most zelda games their gameplay goes up to 10 yes and breath of the wild goes up to 11 yeah there's an 11 that's a spinal tap reference for those of it, you who are not in the uh, please god if you if you're not hang up and watch <laughs> or, you know like pause this and go go watch that right now go, go watch yeah go watch this is spinal tap but uh no yeah this this game really does take it up a notch it, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because it's a clever thing to say but it it's uh it's a lot of fun um in fact it's been a lot of fun for most of the people in the house except for my wife um because she doesn't like the fact that uh if i like if she comes home and I'm like busily standing at the sink doing doing dishes and making sure the kitchen is nice and tidy. Um, as soon as you hear good, like a rupee flash, there's like, a pretty uh, good chance that it's because I want to go sit down and play Zelda. <laughs> yeah, um, I put a link in the show notes. Uh, this is one of my favorite discussions of the uh, um, Breath of the Wild, and this is of course um, one of my you know gaming. Uh, um, I'd say one of the people whose opinion I respect most on games, although he does not. I think do any gaming podcast is actually, I know him from tech things and you'll know the name when I say it probably, especially if you're into any Apple shit, but um, John, John Syracuse, he talks about breath of the wild in depth. I think it's literally like a uh, two hour long episode of a show called pragmatic. Um, he talks about it. He's a guest on that show. I, I I'm not a regular listener to the program, but um, it does a fantastic job of explaining breath of the wild. What's different about it. What makes it great. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just say one of the big changes, I think for me, one of the big, changes with breath of the wild is there's nowhere you can't go 
Like, yeah, there's, you know, it was very much a, a sort of tactic in previous games where um, you couldn't go, you know, certain places like, oh, there's a gate there that can't be opened until you have, you know, X piece of equipment or like some arbitrary milestone. You know, there's usually a story reason like, oh, you can't go to that one until the farmer says you're ready or something like that. Uh, and so you have to wait for all that. But Breath of the Wild is entirely different in that regard. Like if you want go right in. You can speed run Ganon. You can go right to Ganon straight out of the game. Um, you, there's only a little bit of precursor. You know, like once you get off that first plateau, um, you get a very basic set of equipment. Um, you don't even have to get all the, you know, power-ups and shit like that. You can just go get that one piece of equipment, head right off the plateau and go straight in and fucking fight Ganon. And it's even possible to beat him. There's plenty of YouTube videos where you can see him like get uh, getting beaten with a wooden uh, pot or something like that, <laughs> um, which is literally wow. like a one damage piece of equipment uh, um, that okay. breaks really easily. That would be something I would do. I did. Yeah. I did. Um, I did beat one of his incarnations uh, with a torch. I was telling Eddie about this the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell me about that. It was so. Um, and I'm not going to go into details as to how you get to this thing or what, but like one of one of the things you end up having to do is, is stand across on a platform from him, and he hurls chunks of ice at you. Um, and then if you're really lucky he'll shoot a laser at you. And I say really lucky in all seriousness, because um, there's a tactic that you pick up uh, fighting things called guardians that are just <laughs> randomly throughout the the world. Um, and you, if you parry with your shield at the exact right moment, you'll fire their laser back at them and, and it does mass damage. Um, the problem is if Ganon thinks you're ready or this particular incarnation of Ganon thinks you're ready to do that, he won't do it. So yeah. he just continues throwing ice. Yeah, chunks if, at you. if you stand out there with your shield out, he just basically hurls shit at you and it's really annoying. Yeah. So what you, what you end up having to do, um, is lob different pieces of equipment at him. If you've got arrows, great, but you're usually out of arrows by this point in the battle. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, the only thing I had left in my inventory to throw was a wooden torch and I, I hurled it at him and it just happened to be that like, that was the neck, the, the amount of damage I needed to knock him down one more time. And I was able to knock him down and I ran across the room as quick as I could swam. And I, there was another weapon over there that I'd already thrown at him and missed with. And I picked it up and just bludgeoned <laughs> him with it. Bludgeoning him. Oh, that's even that. See, like that's a, that's a really cool mechanic. So we mentioned that the weapons are all disposable. Um, basically they, they will break like the more you use them eventually the weapon will break uh, so one really cool thing is as the weapon is getting close to breaking you can decide it, it doesn't even have to be close to breaking you can do whatever whenever, whenever you want but usually it's best to do it when the weapon's about to break um, you can throw the weapon at your opponent and it actually does I think double damage if, 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 if you it's land close it. to breaking if you land the if you land the throw and it breaks at the same time then it does do double damage yeah, yeah so it's it, oh, wow. that's another really cool mechanic that you know it's just it's entirely original with this game um, it's entirely different different you know with this game and, and it's just so much fun and like another thing you know like matt matt texts me like in the first you know a couple of hours playing and he's like dude dude i get infinite bombs um because if you remember from previous zelda games you, you get bombs and you have to manage them you know just like you do you either have to find them or buy them yeah and so in this game you you do you effectively get infinite bombs the other th the interesting bit though is um they're much less of a uh, necessity in, in this game than they were, but they still enable the sort of creative gameplay that you could do in previous Zelda games. Yeah, uh, there's there's nothing that you can do with a bomb that you can't do with a well-placed iron sledgehammer yeah. shot. Um, well, but... that's not entirely correct, but they're, they're, cause just trust me, this is another thing. Like, uh, So all of these, you know, sort of... Like, there are some combat temples, but for the most part, they're sort of puzzle temples. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, like classic, you know, sort of uh, Zelda dungeon, you know, solve the puzzle and then you move on to the next area. In this case, you know, you just, you solve that particular temple. There's something like 120 of them in the game, I think. 130. Yeah. Oh and then God. there's like an additional 40 if you buy the, the, the DLC. DLC, yeah. Um, so there's a ton, a ton, a ton of temples and there's a ton of puzzles. And so what's really fun is go watch the creative ways that people solve those on YouTube because it's not, you know, like, like previous Zeldas, uh, a lot of the times there is one singular solution and once you figure it out, you get there. And in this Zelda, um, that's probably pretty close to true by design. You know, like the design is there's one to three ways that the designer intended for you to solve it, but because of the vast ma- uh, uh, um, ways you can use the equipment and the mechanics of the game, there's a whole bunch of more creative shit you can do and actually solve the uh, that temples. That sounds like so much fun to me. It, it is. It is. It is really rad, especially when you uh, watch uh, like what other people are doing with it. Like it's just crazy the shit that people come up with uh, on on. Uh, this game in you on YouTube and that stuff. So. Yeah, um, I I've not really run into many situations where I couldn't do something because I didn't have the right piece of equipment. There's there's almost always a way that you can improvise. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's pretty rad. Like I, I, I just adore the game. It's one of my favorite games. It's it's. I think it actually maybe even usurps uh its place as my favorite game ever. You know, previously held by Ocarina. Uh, and that's just because it really is a vastly, vastly better game. And, and it really is, um, in much the way Ocarina was like a modern reimagining of the Zelda franchise. I, I think this is that kind of level as well, you know, moving from 2D to 3D and now moving from, uh, um, you know, really, really small sandboxes to like truly like open world, go wherever, do whatever you want, sort of get creative with it. Um, yeah, actually really glad you brought up Ocarina because, um, one of the things I enjoy about this game, and I'm not going to go into details again, um, because you know, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but, uh, fun little fact for Ocarina time. It's the only one I think on a, I think it's Metacritic. It's a critic that it has a 99%. It has a perfect percentage. It's the only game ever in history to have that. That fits for me. Fun yeah, fact. no, it's it's an amazing game. Um, one one of the things I like about Breath of the Wild a lot, though, is that um, it does have a lot of deep pulls from a lot of um the lore from the rest of the the for Zelda sure. franchises, and uh, um, pretty much gonna just keep playing this one um until I beat it, and then um I'll probably keep playing it again, and then I'll wait until the um Link's Awakening comes out. Oh, did you hear the rumor on that? By the way, what's that? Um. Best Buy fucked up again because Best Buy does that all the time these days um, with some of their data getting out. And um, the one of the big rumors is that uh, it's not just going to be Link's Awakening. Oh, really? That's packaged because it's this is this is a triple A like sixty dollar title. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so the the big rumor is that the surprise that Nintendo hasn't revealed yet is that they also remastered um, a Link to the Past and they're going to package it as a double. Oh my god, dude. Dude, oh. dude, I'm on and, fucking board, and I don't know. I don't. I mean, I would. I'd, I'd pay the sixty bucks for Link's Awakening because I've seen how Good. beautifully yeah. done it is at this point. But if if we can get, if we can get the my what what are like historically my two favorite Zelda titles from my yeah. adolescence, you know, um, <laughs> I'm I'm all mm-hmm. about it. 
Um, I still have Link's Awakening, like the OG Link's Awakening, not the DX version for the Game Boy Color, but like the OG I, black I and white I have one. The, I think I might have the DX version, but that's because I don't have yeah. access to the other one. I also have my original uh, Game Boy Color cartridges of um, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons as well. I, somewhere I have those as well. I think at one point I had most all of them except for the one that you had to actually have multiplayer on. The four swords. You know, yeah. this is just another thing that I love the Switch for. Like, I just, I love that there's so many, there's going to be so much good stuff that you can, you know, play on the big TV, which is what I do with it 90% of the time. Sometimes just throw it in the bag, go. And then you can still play really, I, really good games. Like, I took the, I took the, the handheld up to bed with me the other night because Casey was like, um, I'm just going to go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm just going to lay here and play Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> here come the next six hours. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into our main topics tonight, Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame, I do want to, um, since we've been off air for a while, uh, um, you know, I've, I've really developed, I would say, uh, a, a freaky obsession, like probably an unhealthy, uh, a level of love for, um, the movie Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. He masturbates to it, guys. Thank you. I uh, love that film. Yes. So I, I've seen it, uh, wow. like, like, I haven't quite like gotten to fucking that movie as hard as Ryan just did to his microphone, but I've seen it like a lot. Uh, I've seen it probably at least 10 times uh, at this point. Um, I, it's one of those things that I will just basically throw on whenever, like if I'm feeling particularly happy, if I'm not feeling particularly happy, like I can just throw it on and I can watch it over and over again. Um, which there are very, very few mo- movies for me that are at that point because, um, just in general, like I don't usually rewatch content, rewatch or reread content unless it's like truly like my favorite thing ever. What Eddie's wife has discovered is that this, this particular movie can cure ED. It can. Um, in fact, I, I did have to call a doctor after it lasted longer than four hours. Um, he's so like, he's like, dude, just just pause the movie. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know what you got to now. He actually told me I had to go to completion. So, you know, what else? What are you going to do? Doctor's orders. So, so um, what do you what are your favorite things about it? Oh, there. Okay, so there's so many. So th- there, there's. Um, so let's start off. Uh, I've, I think we've talked about this a lot on the show, but I'm a huge Ultimate Spider-Man nerd. Like it's basically my first, you know, foray really into comics. Like truly, you know, aside from being a, a little kid and spot reading here and there, never really getting too far into any storylines. My first foray into comics were probably uh, was probably. Actually, certainly was with Ultimate Spider-Man, um, which, of course, starts off with a younger Peter Parker. Very similar. In fact, they just straight up crib uh, most of Ultimate Spider-Man for what we're seeing from the current MCU Spider-Verse. Um, that is to say the Tom Holland one, not the, the Miles Morales one. Um, and then, of course, um, towards the end, uh, spoilers for Ultimate Spider-Man, a, a comic book that came out 20 years ago. Um, seriously, fuck. 18 years ago, I think 2001, maybe 2000. Uh, so I think it was 2001. A long time ago. Um, spoilers for that book. Uh, at at uh, near issue 100 something, um, Peter Parker dies. And, and like he dies, dies, for real dies. Um, uh, and he, of course, is su- su- uh, succeeded uh, by um, Miles Morales. Um, so this is a brand new character at this point. Nobody had ever heard of him. Um, doing new characters is, you know, always a semi-controversial thing, but doing a character on this level was a, a very controversial at the time, um, especially because they were like, no, this isn't some sort of like, uh, he's, you know, Spider-Man 2 or or he's like, uh, um, and also ran Spider-Man. It's just like, 
Miles Morales is the new Spider-Man. Fucking deal with it. Like, uh, this is the character that's going to be Spider-Man in this universe. And, um, uh, you know, of course, Peter Parker eventually comes back. Uh, although I don't know if it's through Ultimate. I think it actually is, you know, just in the 616 proper. Um, and then they sort of did a bunch of shit and eventually the universe got folded together. So Miles and Peter live in the same whatever like yeah. comic stuff. So anyway. That's one bit. Um, I, I really got into the comics. I was a huge Miles fan long before I think anybody knew who Miles were, was. Um, if you go back and listen to us talk about Spider-Man, uh, um, uh, Homecoming, one of the things you'll say is, well, look at that. They just straight up stole Genki from, uh, Miles and they just called him Ned now. Um, because that's yeah. really truly like, if you go read Ultimate, uh, Genki is Ned, uh, just straight equals Ned. Uh, and they just totally changed it. it so might, also, really... I think in Homecoming, uh, Donald Glover is playing he Miles's. Is. Uh, he's playing the Prowler. Yeah, um, uncle. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest he's playing Prowler. In fact, I think that's straight up canon. Uh, like I don't even yeah. think you had to get too nerdy about that. Um, so they were, you know, eventually at least leaving some hooks to tie into um, uh, um, Spider-Man, Miles Morales stuff. Uh, but yeah, so into the Spider-Verse. Um, so like many of you, I saw the trailer and I was like, I don't know what this is. Animation looks weird as fuck. Uh, but, it did look weird, but I, I think when I first... fully watched it, I loved it. Oh, my, yeah. My, but my... I'm just saying, trailer-wise, when I started seeing the trailers, I was like, okay, that looks all right. That looks, you know, interesting. My knee-jerk reaction was, what the fuck are you doing, Sony? Yeah, that, yeah. that was basically the, the... I was just like, oh, man, this is another thing Sony's going to ruin. Uh, the animation here looks weird as, f- you know, fuck. And, and uh, you know, the, Miles is showing up, and I'm, I'm sure he's just going to get shoehorned into five minutes and, you know, whatever. Uh, but I was like, okay, they're doing Miles on screen. Um, I, I'm a spider nerd. I want to go see it. So I went. I, I went and saw it, and I just immediately loved it. It is a solid, solid flick from start to finish. The animation, which, you know, watching the trailers, I was like, that's fucked up. I don't, you know, the animation immediately, like, once you get, I'd say, five minutes into the movie, you stop noticing the animation, and, and, and in fact, you flip at some point you flip and you're like holy fuck the animation for this is beautiful like it is it is very good it's an animated it's, comic book you know yeah, what, it you is know close crazy? to a living comic book on screen as i think yeah. i've ever seen what's it's crazy amazing. to me is that it, it it's not it, it's weird to me it, it's so busy like it's it, it's extremely busy but one of the things I, I noticed about that is like little kids that watch it they stay focused on it like 100%. And oh, yeah. I think it's because there's so much going on that they don't feel like they need to be distracted by. Let me tell you, Kellen could not sit discovering through their bodies or whatever little kids do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Get, getting Kellen to sit through Endgame, like I was very close to just like slipping him a couple melatonins and having him take a nap because, uh, like I was, I, we were, he was just getting antsy as fuck, but he will sit and watch Spider Verse no problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the flashy colors. It's the, it's, there's, like you said, there's a lot happening. Natalie and I caught it like a Saturday matinee up up the street, and like I remember you telling me this. She didn't move. Like, yeah, literally just was zoned in, just zeroed in on that screen the entire time. And I think it's I think it has to do with like how busy that is, and and, and I think it's I mean, one it, thing. It's a colorful film, and, and like just to be clear, like it is a colorful film in a way that I, children will appreciate, but in a way that you will appreciate it as an adult, as it like mm-hmm. this, the cinematography, you know, for an animated movie is often, you know, interesting uh, or can be interesting because there's just, you can't put cameras in places in real life that you can in s- animated films. And this is a, kind of a good example of that. Like the shots in this movie are just gorgeous. The things that they do with the animation and how they mesh animation styles, you know, especially when they get to some of the characters towards the end of the film, like that was all just fun as shit. Like the movie is funny. It's got just very very funny parts in it um it's got the heart like it tells a, a story that i think maybe even gives a little bit more heart the to spider-man char- than uh miles uh, than tom holland does 
or his movie rather. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the character building in this movie is phenomenal between Gwen, Peter, Miles, his father, and the Prowler, and even Kingpin. oh yeah, even Kingpin. The the twists the twists and turns the movie takes you on. There's there's some twists in this movie that are done just expertly. Um, the whole thing, uh, soundtrack. The soundtrack on this oh. thing is fucking phenomenal. Like they hooked me. That, that's another thing that hooked me probably five minutes in. Like when yep. he starts leaving the school and Biggie pops on, I'm like, all right. All right, I'm on board for this. Uh, uh, Yet it's not in the actual soundtrack uh, CD at all. Yeah, no, I know. Rights issue. Yeah, I'm sure uh, it is. I get. I, I'm. I'm not kidding you. Like for the first two weeks after Eddie saw Spider Verse, like I, I legitimately thought my name was Danger. <laughs> <laughs> what What's up, Danger? Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, that's unfortunately probably because people are going to make fun of me. That has definitely made it into my repertoire of, of things I say now. Um, there's a lot of other just quote, quotable things in that movie that I, I basically say to all, all people all the time. Uh, I, you know, th- th- there's very few, like I'm not very big into collectibles, um, most often, uh, um, but I do have a Spider-Man shelf now prominently featuring mostly like basically all miles. Uh, at this point, I, I bought a spider, I, I bought a spider verse hoodie because you can go get, you know, the Miles hoodie basically. Um, but it's got the Spider-Man, you know, like the way he does the, the logos in, uh, towards the end. The um, yeah. I, I, I've only worn it out a couple of times. Uh, but the other day when I was at Target, uh, the chick that was checking me out was like, dude, that's an awesome, awesome shirt. Um, so it's got this like, did, uh, did you have your, the man t-shirt on underneath it? No, I did not. Uh, that's another thing we did. Um, wait, for, you have that? Oh, I certainly fucking oh do. My friend, my I God, certainly I fucking do. Oh, uh, it's so good. Uh, I went and bought it on Amazon. Actually, I think, was it mania? No, it was probably, um, chamber or something. No, not no, chamber. it was mania. It was mania. It was mania. Yeah. We were, so we were fucking around and by, by the time, you know, nine hours into mania or whatever, uh, and probably as many beers or more, I was like, <laughs> you know what I need? I need a Becky Lynch t-shirt. And so I, I went immediately to Amazon, ordered it. It's the official WWE licensed one. It's like 15 bucks, which is cool. Cause WWE sells it for like 40, More like 27. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, the, the first time I wore it, the first time I wore it, I'm out taking out the trash and, uh, some guy driving by in the car just goes, Becky. And I'm like, yeah, dog, uh, Becky two belts, baby. And then I go back in that side and I told my wife and she's like, you're so gay. And I was like, well, <laughs> we don't say that anymore, but, um, also, yeah, <laughs> that's not the preferred vernacular. Yeah. I was um, like, it's a, she's a girl, bro. Um, so, so then I can only assume that your official, wwe the man becky lynch pop figure come august will will share a shelf with, yeah. with miles <laughs> apparently so um so anyway there's there's a very you know small segment of things that make it in there but matt you know matt texted me matt's got a little bit of a funko collection going on and he, he goes yeah there's this limited edition becky two belts uh, uh coming out and i was like okay ordered uh and then i get the shipping notification it's like your package should arrive august 2019 i was like dude you know if you if you're not paying attention to the timestamp on this one it is currently uh we bought this in mid-april um yeah i did so, tell you it was a pre-order yeah um i i, I obviously wasn't paying that much attention because i got that shipping notice and i was like holy fuck man i'm gonna be here forever yeah you sent um, me you sent me the text message with the tears emoji yeah i was like well i knew <laughs> yeah so the the um anyway spider verse um so i bought the hoodie and uh another funny phenomenon that happened is I bought the hoodie and then I couldn't wear the hoodie because one or the other boy, um, kept stealing it. Like I, I they just, my, my son and my youngest son in particular, Kellen just freaking loves the thing. And he will walk around, you know, saying mild stuff the whole time. No. So now they both have their own hoodies. You should also ask yourself why this five-year-old kid is the same size as, uh, his dad. 
Well, he's not. It's it's pretty big on him. It, it honestly probably should be I bigger on him. I was about to but, ask that actually, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh yeah so we ended up having to go um uh, and Biden fairness, their Kellen own. is the size of a small man yeah so when we so me the funny thing he's now bigger is, than you i'm pretty sure he could take you it's not even like costume wear it's like their default <laughs> wardrobe at this point so like uh when we we took my daughter to a dance competition everybody was walking around in spider-man hoodies and at some point i was like because i was gonna wear it to end game and i thought it'd be funny if we all wore spider-verse hoodies to end game and then like i'm like well, shit, I, I can't actually just walk out in public with matching Spider-Man hoodies with my two boys because that that that's people are going to definitely make fun of that. Um, so instead, it was just the two boys. And um, yeah, they got a handful of, you know, like walking around a dance competition, handful of like, you know, cool shirts, you know, kind of thing. So I went to Endgame with a 13 year old girl that was dressed in a Spider-Man onesie. Oh, I saw I saw the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I saw um, it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, so anyway, if, if you're sleeping on Spider-Verse Spider for some reason, uh, please don't go see that movie like right now. If, if this show that you're listening to right now, us ramble on is at all appealing to you, um, you're probably going to love Spider-Verse. One um, of, and I'll tell you one of the, one of the, the big things, cause I, I don't really buy a ton of physical media anymore. Mostly what I buy is digital stuff. Um, because then I don't have to store it yeah. anywhere. Um, but one of the the big appeals to to owning the actual Blu-ray um, for the end of the Spider Verse is that it does have um, one of those you know built-in interactive features where like you can hit a button and it'll um, play an alternate scene um, during the movie, you know, with or without commentary. Like it does, it's like a, it's like a its own like Spider Verse really think yeah yeah it's it's nice. kind of a cool feature that it I does so, it, so so if you if you don't own the blu-ray and you're not adverse to owning physical media um or even if you are but have a, a place for a select few copies of, of physical media this would be one of the ones to get yeah um the last thing i, I think i'm going to say about spider-verse is as a comic nerd there's a lot of things in there for you to really appreciate like if you're like really into the details there's a lot of things that you're gonna go oh shit dude i can't believe they did that um yeah but they do it in a way that's accessible to everybody. Like nobody that I've I've shown the movie to basically everybody that'll see it so far, and nobody's had a problem following it. They're just like, oh, I get that. That that makes sense. Alternate universe, whatever. Um, no, I'll, I'll tell you. Like, there's not been one person in my house that has been like, oh, I don't like that movie. Like everybody has has enjoyed Spider Verse so uh, for what it is. I have a roommate that is that is much like Luke that won't watch comic book movies, and I was watching into the Spider Verse. Isn't like, that on the application? What's up? What? Won't like watch. your your roommate application? Like, didn't isn't that like a thing? <laughs> just, like, don't you pre-screen? Do you, how do you feel about uh, no, uh, he's, Avengers? Yeah, I would if I didn't know him already. But he he's not a big comic book guy. He's more sports, and that's his thing. And he goes, dude, I wish I could watch this the entire thing right now, but I have to go. He's like, he, but he was sucked in. He was sold. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that's not a comic guy, that was pretty awesome. Oh, I mean, it it is it is a masterclass in basically all aspects of filmmaking. Like it it tells a really tight story. It does it in a very satisfying way. Unless um, you're the a build is perfect. Like hasty white, blonde headed kid who wears purple scrubs, talking about how Peter Parker is the only real Spider Man. Um, oh, see, I wait, thought you were going who? a different way with this. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I won't. 
say well, shame more. on the podcast, but um, the uh, yeah, the, that's another thing. I, I guess I'll mention that, and then we can grab a refill and move on. I but, gotta um, fix Ryan's mic because just looking at it right now makes me want to punch him in the face. So. I, you keep staring at me, and I'm like, <laughs> What's wrong I don't, I, I don't want to touch. It's not it. you. It's the microphone. Yeah. I don't want to touch it. So the other thing that I really like about this movie, uh, um, that that you know. And again, this is my favorite way. We talked about this on the show a lot. I like things that diversify properties. And, and I like it when uh, more POC uh, gets shown. I like it when you include uh, LGBTQ characters. I like it when you do all those things. Uh, femin- uh, improve feminism, etc. Like there, there's just equality is something I think we all need to strive through. Um, but I want it also to be a good story. And so this manages to do that in, a, I, I think, a fairly satisfying way. Yeah, like when it I comes think... down to it, there's only really one, you know, two white dudes that are that are uh, um, really, you know, prominent characters. I think the fact that, that Miles is, a, is is of mixed race is not even like a thing other than it does kind of play into uh, the, the his cultural background. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, bit, it, but, it doesn't but it does it in a way that yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's, it's, it's smart. Like it's, it's it, nobody ever comes out on the screen. is like, if even a Blaxican Spider-Man can do it, you know, like, um, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, it never comes up. Like it never comes up, uh, um, in, in an overt, you know, like take you out of the story sort of way. Uh, no, totally. It yeah. just is. And that, that I think is beautiful because the way that it, they do it, it all makes sense from a storytelling standpoint. It's not overt. You know, like it's it's exactly the way that I think you're gonna uh, um, make this sort of the norm, and that that's by showing the norm. And so that's even like the little bits and glimpses into Miles' like family life. I think w- w- were a lot of fun because it, you know it's not a stereotype. Like it, it is just a normal you know ass relationship with the family, and I, I really like how they did that. Um, uh, so yeah, the the fact that you know like when when the comic was coming out and they announced that they were gonna have a mixed race. Uh, um, um, uh, Spider-Man. There was obviously a lot of controversy and like, oh, you, you know, libtards are shoehorning. I don't know if we did libtards then, but whatever the equivalent of that was in 2000. Um, they're like, you're shoehorning your agenda into this, and it's like, would you stop and think for a second? Like, would it be a problem if we introduce another white Spider-Man? No. So then, why is it when it's a mixed race Spider-Man? Uh, and so you know, like that, you know, was 20 years ago, but we still, you know. Uh, fortunately with this movie, I think most people are just lauding it for how they handled that. Um, which is to say they didn't, they, it's just, he's a character. Uh, it, it doesn't really factor into as identity a whole lot. I get um, irritated with the fact that in uh, overt manners or like in the way they tell the story, but you know, I get irritated with the fact that, um, you know, uh, creating new heroes of different, you know, races or, you know, sexual orientations or whatever, um, that always has to come across as being an agenda, um, you know, whereas, you know, strip mining, you know, the, the earth until it dies, um, or, you know, it's just what we do or know? keeping Congress full of, uh, old, old white men is not an agenda. Like that's yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, the whole it, thing is kind of gross, but anyway, it's another thing that I think is a, a solid, you know, it's a solid high five for Spider-Verse. Um, they, they, it really, I think, advances the equality narrative and does it in, in in a subtle manner. And I think one that, you know, like at no point did any of my children be like, hey, that's weird. Spider-Man's black. They were just like, yep, oh, Spider-Man. You know, and, and there's a lot of kids, I think. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy for the kids that are, you know, um, black, Mexican, you know, people of color in general that are going to get to see this movie. And, you know, you know, especially at a young age and not find it weird that the only superheroes that exist are white guys. Um, um, and they're, they're going to have somebody to look forward to. Look at, you know? look at, look at our little white kids who are aspiring to be Miles Morales. You know yeah, I mean? for like, sure. I think like, that's, I think yeah. that's cool as hell. So, 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's just it's it's particularly cool because you know my kids just couldn't tell the difference. But anyway, um, uh, we I, we're we're old white guys ourselves, so talking about race is probably not great. But I I, I we, do we, we're yeah. probably not allowed to. But yeah, I, mean, I, I I just I'm saying I, I like it. I like the way that this movie. Um, it, it's another you know sort of like uh. As much as it's for me, like as much as it's for me, it's a movie that that I like and it, and I super enjoy. It's for a lot of other people first, and I, th- I think that this movie is just sort of perfect in that regard. So, uh, anyway, let's grab a refill, and then we're going to be back with some Game of Thrones. And again, I'm going to warn you now, and I'll warn you when we get back. Uh, Game of Thrones discussion is going to be very spoiler laden, so if you're sensitive to that, uh, well, you just got 46 and a half ish minutes of content. I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, we will see you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we bring you to our spoiler-laden discussion of Game of Thrones season, I, I guess we're just going to call it season eight so far, but I think we're going to spend most of our time on our most recent episode, which is season eight, episode three, The Battle of Winterfell. Spoiler, um, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I think we got um, that out. To help get us in the right mood for this. So, what are we drinking, Matthew? Um, we are are drinking very, very light glasses of uh, Johnny Walker's <laughs> for sure. White Walker uh, Scotch whiskey. Yeah. It's a blend, um, but it is it is quite smooth. I like I like it. I like it a lot, and, actually. And we're we're drinking a toast uh, to uh, our friend, the, the Night King. <laughs> Pour one out for my homie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I should throw that in there too. Um, all right, so let's start off with a few prominent deaths this episode. Uh, um, and I, I do want to kind of go a little bit beat by beat, but um, this episode was probably the first one that we've had some serious, like, actual movement on characters. You know, Game of Thrones is notorious for killing uh, uh, characters uh, throughout its run. Um, and this is the first one, I think, of season eight, um, in which we expect one. there to be a lot of deaths. Um, this is another one. Uh, yeah, go for it. Dothraki. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, this is the first one where I think we're really going to get like into it. Um, um, I'm going to recap real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So run through it, run season through eight it. recap so far. Episode one. Yeah. Jon Snow finds out that he's really Aegon Targaryen, um, also known as Daenerys Targaryen's nephew. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, coming. Episode two. Daenerys finds out that Jon Snow is Aegon Targaryen. Like that's really the sum total of the first two episodes of this yeah. season. Um, there's more that happened, but really the yeah. first two episodes were kind of a, a, a cold open for what, what's happened starting in episode three. Yeah. Um, and now the Night King has brought, um, all of the White Walkers, uh, from north of the wall, south of the wall, and they have descended upon, um, Winterfell and that's where we're at. Yeah, so um, the episode opens, I, I think. Oh, um, also some weird dead kid with octopus arms. Yeah, that was weird. Wait, what? You, the, you know how the, the the White Walkers like to you know mutilate corpses and do weird shit? Yes. Yeah, like even going back to the opening episode, they did that with uh, the the um, the Night's Watch that they captured. Yeah, yeah. And that was sort of the, the cold open for the whole show. Um, hmm. Yeah, they do that in, I think, episode two or something like that. Uh, so episodes one and two, I think, were actually sort of like probably the last time we get to see these characters be like happy for a minute um e- even though they're sitting on the cusp of this huge battle and uh it's a little bit bittersweet you know we get to have that scene with uh, everybody hanging out around the campfire sort of thing and Podrick singing like a badass um and and you know we just we get to see all these characters come together that in many cases haven't seen each other since season one uh, um not not the the least of it which was Jon Snow uh, yeah Winterfell hasn't seen Jon Snow since he left to join the Night's Watch yeah essentially so um yeah things and that like was in episode two 
I don't think John had seen <laughs> Arya yeah. for that long either. You know, we we just barely got Arya and Sansa back together. I think late that last season, at the end of last season, yeah, yeah. So just it, it basically gets all of our heroes um in one place together. The gosh, reunions galore. Um, uh, um, uh, Brian, Brian of Tarth and, and Jamie. Jamie. They don't see each other. The uh, Hand and Arya. The Hand and Arya since like season. Oh, another another really good one, and they had a really great scene, I think, in this uh, in episode three. Um, Sansa and uh, fucking Tyrion, yeah, Um, they're technically married. Um, I guess they still are, yeah, yeah. So that was really funny because they I don't think we've seen them together since uh, Joffrey in like season three, Um, right? Yeah. So uh, there's you know we get a lot of great reunions, a lot of great scenes. Another thing that's useful here is we forget that you know as viewers we know a lot of what's going on that our characters do not um, because our characters haven't actually been privy to the information like because they've been so spread out. Um, So we get to see a lot of that sort of informational you know like oh this is going on this is going on and that plays out in interesting ways as well. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then then of course that leads into episode three, which is like well the White Walkers are fucking here. Um, at this point, um, Ryan, are you sure? Like, I just, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I was going to okay. say another reunion that happened that probably was big was Bron- Bran and Jamie. Cause they haven't yeah. seen each other since that you so that got Jamie, tossed out since the window. Jamie shoved Bran out a window. Yeah. 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 Um, that's actually, uh, that's, again, that actually does happen. It yeah. does happen yeah. and, it, and it happens in a very satisfying manner. Jamie, yeah. Jamie actually, um, and I guess I can just get into this. Uh, one of the one of the scenes that I really liked about this season so far is that Jamie kind of um, bends the knee uh, in front of Daenerys, and Daenerys is like, "So you literally killed my dad." Yeah. Um, and and he was admittedly crazy, but uh, you killed my dad, and there should be retribution. Which is funny coming from the lady who literally had just told Sam Tarly that, um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I killed your dad and your brother, but bend the knee. Oh, my God. Was that a scene? <laughs> that scene between uh, Daenerys and Samwell. Uh, That's what we call a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was not the least bit hypocritical, but um, that scene between those two was just amazing. Some of the best acting I think I've seen in the show is fucking Samwell. Um, I can't who, remember who, who plays really him. Who doesn't like his family that much, but then when he's confronted with the idea that like there is no reconciliation I, I, I at think this he, point, it he, was he does fun. like his brother. He yeah, does like his, his brother, brother but, good to him. Um, yeah, he, he just that scene was painful to watch in the best way because he did such a good job with it. Um, so did Daenerys for that matter, but uh, whatever. Um but yeah, that scene between Jamie and Daenerys was great. I think, I think really the way that Bran and Jamie came together too, that, you know, there's a lot of poetry so far in this season that we're going to, I think, get to as we get on there. But, um, yeah. Um, so anyway, we lead into the Battle of Winterfell. Um, shit is actually going to hit the fan. We know the White Walkers are coming. At this point, we know the Night King controls a, a, a white dragon, you know, Viserion. Uh, our, our, you know, fallen but not forgotten uh, buddy from seasons previous. I'm gonna um, throw this out here. This Johnny Walker scotch is um, smooth and delicious. It's not the smoothest scotch I've ever no. had. Yeah, um, it, it, it's not. It definitely. Um, I prefer my scotch aged probably close to twelve years. Well, I mean, this is a blend, and, and I and think it, this was probably aged a year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's I, not I don't, bad. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, if I think... if I had to guess, I would say they probably just relabeled some Johnny Red. Like this isn't. I, I doubt this is like a that could be. Yeah, or or maybe a slightly different blend. But I I I don't see it being like a. You know, it, it wasn't a hundred dollar bottle or anything. No, no, yeah. no. no. Um, um, and it doesn't taste like it. it. But again, it doesn't taste bad. It just doesn't. It's not as scotchy as I like my scotch. I think. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is how well, I you did. That. You put it on the rocks too. 
Yeah, it's because I knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's because right. I had a suspicion. Um, so yeah, we get into episode uh um three, and so like many of you, the first thing I did was adjust the brightness settings on my TV. Dude, like, it doesn't matter. Does it? Because no. I I could not see shit. I actually no, had to turn the brightness. Uh, I had to turn the brightness up. So number one is um I didn't really have any choice, but we had to watch it during daytime. I usually always like to watch shows like this, especially uh this particular show, which often features dark scenes that are uh slightly more difficult difficult to see if you're not in perfect conditions. Uh, but this one, yeah, I, I couldn't fucking see anything. Especially so, if you're watching it on your iPad and there's glare of any kind of light coming from which, behind you. Which you know yeah. one of the unfortunate bits about iPads is there's always glare. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, the, you know, gloss screens are nice for some things, but for you know movie viewing it's it's kind of rough and i wish we had a matte screen on it but um but yeah so the first thing i did was adjust the brightness and i was like well that's weird but i guess you know we're watching it during the day whatever um but yeah it turns out that's like a meme um so i i threw an article down in the show notes uh the verge talks about uh no uh the the cinematographer is basically saying it's not too dark you need to adjust your tv and basically everybody else being like um this is like the equivalent of you're holding it wrong. Uh, no, that this is truly like super, super dark. Um, and a lot of the times you could not quite tell what was happening. At, at least for me, um, five minutes in, I turned the brightness. I, I just cranked that shit. Like I, I usually keep it at about 50 and I think I had it at 80, 85. That really, really reeks of the iPhone four release when Apple was like, what do you mean you're holding well, it with your left hand? That's the ref. That's yeah. the ref I was going for. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. Um, uh, um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So step one is, yeah, th- th- this this episode was shot incredibly dark, and so there are parts of that I, that I really, really loved. And so the first one I'll get to, because um, this actually happens early on in the episode, and that's that. Uh, so with the Battle of Winterfell, you see all of the um, sort of armies under the control of uh, Miss Targaryen. Uh, um, basically lined up, getting ready to do battle. Um, so of course, uh, in the front are the Dothraki cavalry. Um, then followed by the Unsullied, followed by, you know, Winterfell peeps and, you know, whoever else there that are fallen. Jorah, Jorah, Up Mormon, there, uh, yeah. leading the Dothraki army, which yeah. I thought was really badass. Um, and then we Wait, also got a, these things only be harmed by like that specific metal well, dragon glass. Yeah, so they dragon, got, or they Valyrian got, steel. They got really too. three weaknesses, uh, fire, dragon gra- glass and Valyrian steel. And so one of the cool things is we get the return of another character, which is Melisandre, the red woman. Yeah. Who we really she, haven't seen much since season oh, six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she comes out and she's like, uh, do you speak their tongue? Talking to Jorah. And he's like, yep. And, and she's like, tell them to raise their swords. And so he does. And the, they hold up their Arax. Arax? I can't remember how to pronounce it. Arax. Um, Eric's, they hold up Eric and Eric's like, Hey guys, <laughs> let's go doing? kill some whites. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, no, so they hold up their Iraqs and, uh, she does a spell or whatever. And then all of the Iraqs light on fire. And it, it, that is one of the coolest parts. I think one of the coolest visuals. Um, there's a few, there's a few that just stand out for me and just seeing like that wave of Iraqs just light up, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, 20 people deep, uh, 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 hundreds of people wide thousands maybe uh light up and i'm like oh man they got a shot at this actually um um those dothraki they're gonna fuck some shit up like uh one of the other lines in the show is like um never uh uh fight dothraki on open plane you know or something like that i think bobby b our boy bobby b from you know season one says some shit like that and so i'm like okay they got the dothraki they got the unsullied we're we're like we're looking pretty okay for this like it they're gonna throw down and it's gonna be like a fight plus plus good. we've got two two fucking dragons that can rain fire yeah. from the sky so and one of which was piloted by none other than john snow himself yeah because you know john snow's a targaryen nobody ever stops and is like hey how come john can ride a dragon even um, daenerys who doesn't necessarily believe that he's a targaryen yeah. upon 
first notice of this, and I'm like, so I gathered just... that when the dragon let him pet him. I'm like, you just watched him yeah. fucking ride, but a like dragon. the inner circle, um, like nobody. I, I, there's a few people in the inner circle that know. Like Sam, Sam tells John, you know, he figured it out, and you're actually Aegon or whatever. Um, well, not to mention his brother warged it. Yeah, and his brother warged it. So uh, there, there's a couple of characters, but most people, most of the characters do not know uh, John's parentage at this point. No. Um. So uh, it's just it's just. John, Danny, but nobody, Salmon. nobody's like, nobody's like standing there, like, hey, you know what? Yeah. He's the second person ever that can ride a dragon. That seems a little, that's a little strange, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, anyway, so that that you know, back to that Dothraki charge. So like the Dothraki charge, and they charge off into the darkness, and I mean like the literal darkness. Um, th- this is actually a part of the scene where th- I liked the cin- cinematography choice here because it adds so much fucking tension. As in, they sort of go out into the night, and um, the only thing you can see is the flame from the rocks. And they slowly start extinguishing until yeah. there's just fucking nothing. Winterfell really oh, should man. invest in some street lamps. Yeah, they should have. Uh, um, y- there was a there was a meme floating around that just said, um, uh, you know, it's uh, credits. You know, like the credit sequence for it's done in the style of the credit sequence for game, and uh, it's just like Viserion, uh, the Red Woman, uh, um, uh, torches. You know, thanks, thank you, basically for that. That, that was credited to the lighting department. Um, because there wasn't one otherwise but anyway that was a scene where i thought that the lighting choices here made a total uh, like a lot a lot of sense and i really really liked it because it just made it incredibly tense like you couldn't see how the dothraki were getting taken down you know how formidable they are they're charging on open plane like it should have you know but it was just they absolutely got routed and and then all of a sudden um out of the darkness horses come screaming back and you know a lone rider to jorah jorah i think comes out of that too somehow uh, um, but yeah, the whole thing just immediately just went down and it was, it was a, a way to set this up in a way that's like, I was like, oh no, we're fucked. Like dragons haven't come out yet, but like, that's not good guys. That is not good. Um, yeah, well, I, and, and like this whole battle was predicated on the fact that like they would, they would fight the white walkers on the open plain. And then if the white walkers overwhelmed them, they'd retreat back into Winterfell and light these trenches yeah. that were already loaded for bear with, you know, combustible elements. And they would use the dragons to do this. Um, but I guess the dragons couldn't see. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. or John and Danny couldn't. So we see. we learn we learn uh fairly quickly that um once the Dothraki get taken down, uh Daenerys, th- there's a charge by the White Walkers, and then of course Daenerys appears triumphantly. It looks like things are turning the tide, and then all of a sudden the uh the Night King pull- calls in a blizzard or some shit like that. Yeah. So now the dragons can't see. They're running into each other. They're occasionally getting you know a drive by from Viserion, uh, and the Night King. And, you know, it's not looking great. And then they're like, okay, light the trenches because now they're just getting overrun. Um, even the Insullied are having trouble, you know, like not losing ground. Um, and so they're like, light the trenches. And, and, uh, you, you start to see the Onion Knight start, you know, waving the signal, fi- the signal torches. Um, and that's not working, um, because Daenerys can't see it. Uh, she's supposed to do that. Um, so they start shooting arrows at it and the arrows are being blown out by the force of the wind from this blizzard thing. And so then I was like, wow, we are well and truly fucked here. Like, uh, the, uh, and, and that was basically the case. Like the Unsullied covered enough of a retreat. Um, you know, our, our main characters, I think are all surviving at you this get, point. You get Melisandre out there and she finally gets the, the, the trenches lit, which yeah. was another really good scene. Yep. Um, um she actually kind of rocked this episode. Yeah. Um, and we'll get in more into that later, but, uh, uh yeah this was it, it was hard to watch for more than one reason um a because it was really poorly lit yeah uh, <laughs> um b uh there was a lot of times 
that like Brienne gets her ass fucking kicked so many times in this movie. Like I thought she was dead at least three separate occasions. Yeah, that was another thing. That's another complaint I have. And th- that that is specifically for me a complaint. Like there was a lot of like I don't know. I guess in wrestling terms, I'd say cheap heat, and that they did they just kept or or you know bad false finishes. Like um I, and because of the way the thing was was lit um and the way that they sort of sort of shot the thing, I could never tell who who was alive or dead. And then all of a sudden, a character would pop back up. Like the, oh, Brienne's still alive. I guess after all, it's the first major character that I. Think think eats it is um eddie fucking uh ed yeah ed, yeah yeah from uh he saves sam yeah he saves sam out before they make the retreat and he gets handled by a white walker yeah and goes down and then um anyway the the short the, the long and short of it is the castle ends up getting overrun by whites um and so um they they close the doors I and think you can use that term over white whites uh, sorry caucasians um <laughs> cauc- only we can say that that's our word um no so they get overrun uh man this is not gonna be a good episode about mm-hmm. um <laughs> this uh so they get overran very quickly uh um in fact in a way that's almost laughably bad like it's like they've never defended a castle like somebody should have hired somebody who's like you know actually this is you know that was that was one of the chief complaints i read online about this particular episode they're like um you've got all of these tacticians who have led battle after battle after battle and they're not even doing the rookie shit you know Uh, yeah Yeah. and they're like why why was this the chosen route you know but yeah uh, nobody's you know there's not you know big fiery buckets of pitch and shit like that that they're throwing down when the dude who can raise the dead is coming to invade your village you're like um we'll just hide the women and children down in the crypt that's a good idea yeah Uh, as soon as they said that i was like no guys that's not a good idea (laughs) that's not a good idea launch arrows on fire yeah they did a little bit of that but the the thing with the um so like fire is definitely a vulnerability for the dead but it's not like it, it's sort of like a vulnerability like bullets aren't when you're in call of duty like yeah yeah like you really gotta hit get hit a lot before you go down well i think the only person that really wields fire arrows with any effectiveness at all in this entire time is theon and we'll get into that in a little bit oh and Arya actually and Arya because yeah. Arya was, was a straight good, badass was, she was, was shooting off the ramparts if, um, uh, Arya was good at, with the bow there's a moment actually during the retreat where the hound is is coming back and Arya lines up a shot and for a split second i'm like she might shoot the hound like yeah <laughs> like like uh he is the final name on her list i think so. yeah uh but now she she pops a uh, white walker behind her and uh, um the hound notices and and, and you know they, they, they there's this sort of that moment there that was really good but the hound has a really hard time this episode because there's so much fucking fire and it gets to oh him. i can't blame like, him it's, it's crazy the the amount the, like the fire thing gets to him and then the, do they actually go into that like him having like issues with it yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Oh, oh, it was a big driving point in the story. For, oh, as as awesome. much of a badass as um the hound is supposed to be, like he was practically he paralyzed. Was he was, he, yeah, he <laughs> he was straight shook, and not the least like there. I I didn't see it so much as the fire, just so much as the hopelessness of the situation. Like the, yeah. they're they're overrunning the keep. Um, I think there, it's got to be in the back of a lot of people's minds that. These dead, like everybody that dies, isn't just like a lost guy on their side. It's like a gain for the other side, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, uh, uh, the, he's he's definitely shook. Uh, and then of course, you know, the the we got a fucking giant popping through the doors. Oh God, that's Are bad. Are we there yet? Is that is that? I guess the, I guess we are. Uh, yeah. Once we yeah. get through the retreat, you get the giant. Um, so giant pops through the door, and well, uh, I think well, there's one more scene that happens before this. I think the dragons fight. Hmm. Uh, John's dragon. I'm glad you mentioned because I I don't remember in the sequence where I think that goes. John's dragon fights the what is now eff- effectively become a frostworm. Yeah. Um, they're called Wyron. Uh, I'll decide. 
<laughs> I have actually looked this up and I don't remember which is which, but I think it has to do with the appendages of said uh, dragon-like creature. Yes. Worms have less or more. I can't remember. Uh, dragons have four limbs. Wyverns have two. Yeah. And worms, there's something else along with that too. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, the dragon so, fight was so fucking The cool. dragon fight was insane. I still have no idea what happened to John's dragon, like, because it kind of took off. No, um, there in not the dead. In, in in the so on, uh, Is like John the official still on it. No, no he gets he, he gets bailed. dropped off. Um, basically in, in the middle of the dead. It, like, it, it does not look hopeful for he's our got hero. A, he's got a direct line of sight to the Night King, though. Oh shit! And so he's taken off after the Night King. He starts getting overwhelmed. Yeah, it's cool because uh, the Night King's looking at him, going, <laughs> "Yeah, he does." And and so at this point too, um, like most of the dead are like attacking the castle proper. So where John's at, um, is basically just regular out on the field, straight up dead people, just yeah. like not not you know animated walkers, but like dead people out on the field. And the Night King sort of walking solitarily towards the castle, just like you know who the fuck cares what you're doing. Um, and he oh, turns. I think we forgot to set this up. He's actually not heading directly for the castle. He's heading for the old, the old, the the, the, the weirwood. Yeah, the weirwood tree. Yeah, um, because oh, with the faces. Because on Bran it? has set himself up there as bait to draw the the Night King out because he knows the Night King is there for him. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Why is the Night King there specifically for him? Because Bran is the three eyed raven. I, yeah. I I, I, I think I the, 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 the Night what, King's beef, I think, is so, more specifically okay. with the Three-Eyed and, Raven. And here's the thing is, I'm not a book snob. In fact, I'm only like, I in, I just started this morning. I'm three pages into the first book. Um, but one of the criticism, uh, criticisms I've read about the show in particular is it doesn't explore the lore nearly as deeply as the books do. And so why the Night King is, is the nemesis of the Three-Eyed Raven I don't think we know in the show exactly why that is. Which is why I'm asking. I think Bran will explain it. Okay, so uh, more than likely, this is, we're getting down to where this like is, this is conjecture. after we get done with our recap. But, that's one of the things that I really want to get into because the the way that this episode ends has me really really questioning like the nature of the show that I thought I was watching. So, but um, anyway, so Bran has set himself up because he knows the Night King will come after him. Um, it doesn't stop the hordes of the undead from ravaging the city. Um, but that's where the Night King is really headed. And so John tries to head him off and well, I think he's trying to kill him. John's got his nice Valyrian sword. He's yeah. just oh, yeah. beelining it for the Night King. The Night King turns around, just sort of shrugs and he does this like, and raises all the dead around. Yeah. Him. All the people that have died in the battle so far then are now, which is a part of the fucking Night lot. Army. Um, it's a fucking lot. And so all of a sudden John goes from like having a beeline towards the Night King to being absolutely surrounded by the dead. Uh, um, and that's, I think, where we get our triumphant reentry from Daenerys. Daenerys comes in. Um, she with, fires off with Drogon. The, yeah, right? that's that's the dragon. Drogon's the one that. Yeah, yeah. And just, just fucking, like it's like a ten second burst of uh, flame ooh, directly ooh, at the Night King. Ooh. Before we get, Damn. you know, I just I want to point out a little bit of poetry too. Um, John rides Rhaegal. Yeah. Named after his father, Rhaegar. That makes sense. Yeah, I like it. Um. Yeah, so the Night King gets gets about a ten second long burst of of just straight fucking dragon fire, fire, yeah, and shrugs it off like it's nothing. He doesn't even blink. What? Yep. Oh no, I, I mean, I, and that's you know, first off, as soon as she starts shooting, I was like, well, there's still ninety minutes of episode or something like that. So I was like, <laughs> that's not going to work out. But um, 
but yeah, it it is just like one of the big things that I thought were powerful about the dragons is essentially that they were, you know, sort of the antithesis of, of the, the Night King itself uh, and, you know, sort of the embodiment of fire in the show. So I thought for sure, like that's got to at least slow him down, but he's just like, nope, don't fucking care. Um, so he keeps on heading on. Um, at this point, geez. Um, yeah. So now I think we got to go jump to the giant bit. Yeah. So we um, got a, we got an undead so now giant in, in the keep. Yeah, we got an undead giant who just busts through the, the, the main doors to the keep and is met by one lady, Liana Mormont. Um, the little bear. The little bear. Oh, shit. Dude. Um, so in Pissed the, off little girl? Yeah. When uh, you get done reading the... Um, uh, or when you get done watching the thing, HBO does the thing where they sort of, you know, do a behind the scenes yeah. thing. And one of the things I, I can't remember which, uh, which guy, wh- whether it was Benny or Weiss said, you know, she was supposed to be like a one scene character. Right. But like, as soon as we got her in that scene, we were like, Oh no, we got something special here. And they, they wrote more shit for her. Uh, and so this is a very good example of that because, um, she's actually, I think our, our second, you know, major death and probably the one that I, th- I think is probably the first one that a lot of people felt because she goes, she just fucking faces down the giant. Like she's still commanding. And that's another thing. This girl is, I think supposed to be like nine, 11, something like that. 12. Yeah, she's maybe little. thirteen. Yeah, she's, yeah. Like, she's like Arya's she's like, age when the like show started. 10 or Twelve, but just throughout the entire thing, she's just straight up balls of steel. Like she's ordering people and to do smart things. Like she's not, you know, just like useless. Um, she she actually is fulfilling her role as like you know defender of her people and whatever as as, as a lady. Yeah, and she she's even gonna go face off against the dragon. She gets smacked around, and then the dragon picks her up, and kind of you, you hear some crushing and popping, and you're like, well, that's it for her. Giant, not dragon. Giant. Yeah, right. Sorry. Uh, and then she just straight up shanks the dude in the eye with that dragon glass dagger, takes yep. out the giant right there. And I was like, oh man, like, unfortunately she was, she was done by then. Yeah. She's definitely, you know, she's definitely our second death of the evening, but, um, she goes out in probably one of the most badass ways. Like they, they gave her yeah, a, a still, very, very good wise, death. That's yeah. awesome way Actually, to go out. Uh, out of all the major characters, I think Ed's the only one that kind of went out like a bitch. Um, yeah, no, Every, not really. Like, there's a lot of characters that die in this show unceremoniously. Like, well, I just mean this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, That's true. Most of the people Everybody, that die in this episode go out uh, swinging. Yeah, but, you know, in previous episodes, um, it, it's through debauchery, straight up, like, randomness. You know, like, there's a lot of things. Some red wedding bullshit. Yeah, but, well, even, like, the red wedding. There's no heroes. No. The heroes don't get a, any sort of win in the red wedding. Like, there's the, the, this, um, all the deaths in this episode, I think... Um, with the exception of Ed, get their little her- heroic moment, you know, starting with Liana. Well, even Ed saved Sam. The, yeah, that's a good point. Uh-huh. So, but, uh, uh, I, I so think- then we flash back out to, I believe, the battlefield, because I think, um, this is about when, um, it is, because, uh, well, and, and this kind of coincides with right after the Night King thing. B- because- before we get there, I, I do want to jump in because I'm not sure where chronologically we're at, but we haven't talked about Arya in this whole thing. We'll get there. Well, I think we're there right now. Are we, we there? Kind of passing it because I mean, yeah, when the we, when we the whites arrows. when the whites are overrunning the castle, like that's when Arya sort of goes like full ninja assassin mode. Well, and she gets a little shook too. She does. So she, gets she- little, actually this. I think this is right about the time she has her moment with um with Melisandre. Uh, uh, even no, it's even before that. So the the thing that I was thinking of is y- you start off seeing Arya like when um, so when the boys are starting to get overrun at the top of the wall, 
Arya goes up there and she just starts wrecking fucking walkers left and right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, um, yeah. she's running through just, uh, nailing dudes down. Her and, her and fucking Jamie. Yeah, her and Jamie just making <laughs> really? short work of these dudes. It, it is, it is one of the more badass scenes. Like, and we, don't get me wrong, we've been spe- expecting badassery from, uh, Arya for quite a while now. Well, we've gotten badassery oh, yeah. from Arya. Yeah. So um, but this is, I think, the most, you know, like, uh, you know, like even the, the whole thing with the, um, the phrase, like that was all off screen for the most part. Um, um, so, and you know, that like, it doesn't show the sheer fighting ability that Arya yeah. has. And so this, this, we really get a showcase, uh, of that sort of fighting ability until she runs, you know, smack dab into a wall, gets a big head injury. And then that kind of slows her down. Yeah. But even I then, she hit the wall. even then, um, so yeah, she gets a little color. Um, even then we get to see her just be complete badass. Hard way. I can, yeah. I can understand head injuries. Yeah. But the way that it, I, I think it does a good thing because, you know, I, I heard a lot of complaining pretty much immediately about the end of the episode, which we'll get to. But I think this episode does another good job. Um, and there's another scene that we'll, when we get to that part, I'll talk about too. But it just shows how competent she is. So, like, at one point, she's in, like, a, I want to say the library sort of situation. Yeah. And um, she's, you know, she's sneaking around like you wouldn't believe. Like she, Actually, what I wanted to text you when I was watching that was that... Uh, uh, the exact phrase I think I was gonna text you was "a girl watches The Walking Dead." Yeah, <laughs> because she was definitely using some Walking Dead style tactics. Like, yeah, except for far more competently than like anybody in The Walking throwing, Dead ever did. Throwing shit to to draw the attention of the of the dead. Yeah, you oh, know. that's awesome. I also love. You did know, she like take their blood and like wipe it on them? Too? No, no, no. But no, she did. She definitely work. grabbed a book and like threw it, hucked it across the room so that. They, they would get distracted they, yeah. by the noise. I, one thing I wanted to point out too, though, that sort of sets up what a badass Arya is. You know what the loudest sound she made was when her fucking blood droplets hit the floor. Yeah. Um, so that, and that even then, like when it looks like she's cornered and it's like, oh fuck, she's gonna have to do something, and then all of a sudden she gets away again, like soundlessly. Like she's so cool. Going um, going back to the beginning of the episode, I think one of the funniest things uh, was when she handed uh, Sansa that dagger. Yeah. And Sansa's like, I don't know how to use this, and she's like, you stick, stick him with, with the pointy, pointy end. end. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew Wait. as soon as that those uh, Sansa uttered those words, what was coming next, and yep. I still was like, yep, <laughs> okay, give it to me. Isn't yeah. that, isn't I need to put it in my veins. Somebody said to Arya? yeah, Jon Snow, Jon Snow, Jon Snow, when he gave her needle in season one, it's like in the first couple of episodes, sticking with the pointy end, sticking with the pointy end, um, because at this point, Arya is just a tomboy and whatever, and she wants her own sword, so he he gets her needle, which is you know built for her essentially. I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Actually, in episode two, I think is did when she we. Use, or episode did she one. Still use needle oh, in yeah. this episode. Yeah, Fuck episode yeah. episode one is is when we uh, of this season is when we get the reunion of Arya and Jon Snow, and he talks to her, and he he was like, "Oh, have you uh, have you had to use it?" And she's like, "Once or twice, <laughs> oh, once or twice, my ass." Yeah, I can't wait until she's like. It's like a very Scott Tenderman thing of like, uh, you know, like when she has to tell them what happened to the phrase. It's going to be very much like when, uh, um, um, fucking what's his face, um, Cartman is like telling everybody, you know, the story of how he did Scott Tenderman's parents. Um, I, I have a feeling everybody's going to have that same look of shock and horror. Like you did what? Yeah. Um. So anyway, there's uh, there's not a single person save aria that knows what aria has done at this point so. yeah so anyway it just when we get to the end it'll make more sense oh, yeah. why i'm highlighting these this this particular moment um but it's another thing that sort of sets up uh what what aria does and is is capable of um there's another scene too that somebody showed uh which we'll get there when we talk more about at the end but the, but I'll, I'll bring it up again so anyway uh now i think we go back outside and we talk about what we, what we were talking about before um so this is this is when um danny comes to john's rescue 
and flames those White Walker berries. Almost immediately, uh, Drogon gets uh, just overwhelmed by hordes of the dead. Like they're crawling all over him, and he ends up having to like leave Daenerys on the ground and fly up and like he books it, shake them all off and whatnot. Because they're I don't remember how does John get separated from Daenerys? Because that's the that's sort of the next sort of thing. She that... told him to go. Oh, he okay. went after he went after, he went after Bran. Bran. Okay, and the Night King. Yeah. Understandable. That's his brother. And uh, ish. And then, well, it's um, the mission too. It's not so much his yeah. brother. It's like kill the Night King. So, know? so then Danny's about to get overwhelmed by the dead, and then out of nowhere comes Jorah again because Jorah's entire purpose for being like for the last Jorah eight years is, is save Daenerys. I, I think his protect. ultimate goal is to die for her and and whatnot. And so, like, it's just the two of them on the battlefield, full of the dead, and just going fucking crazy. Um, it was a great scene too and we don't get to see this a lot Jorah doesn't have a whole lot of fight scenes but we should remember like when you when he you, is Batman yeah and when we yes, rank it is. all together um, Jorah is actually um, one of the strongest fighters in the you know like there's a there's a great scene with him in uh, I think season one where for whatever reason uh, he, the, the Dothraki or somebody demonstrate wants a demonstration and so they're like well fight the Dothraki uh, you, you know you're going to get your ass kicked and then we'll show you whatever and then he just kind of handles them I think he handles even like two of them I want to say there's a couple fight scenes of him in the yeah. first couple seasons where he has to yeah, yeah he was some badassery. champion yeah. or yeah. something like that so he doesn't get many, but this is, this is, you know, it's a great way, you know, unfortunately, um, this, this is, he did get the go home cue. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he, he, and, you know, Matt said he, you know, wanted to die defending Daenerys. And I don't know if he wanted to die, but he's like, notice me, senpai. Uh, and then, you know, just basically gets overrun. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great scene and it was he, another showcase. He like, made his Khaleesi proud. Yeah, he did. I mean, he made everybody proud. It was another one of those like truly heroic scenes. He dies defending this woman he loves deeply, um, and he does it just sort of in an epic fashion. He takes a lot of hits before he goes down too, for real. Oh God! And this this is I I think another powerful scene too because this is I think one of the first times that Daenerys has had to lose somebody truly close to her in some time now. Yeah, yeah like she she's had to, she's been dealt you know tragedy and things like that through the form of like you know. Her, the people she's supposed to uh, defend getting, you know, killed. But um, from what I've seen, as, as far as personal loss, I don't think we've seen a lot of personal loss from Daenerys for quite the, a while. The biggest personal no. loss that she suffered was before the show picks up because it was her other brother. Yeah. Um, before the one that's it, not a Viserys. douchebag. Um, Viser- Viserys is yeah. the one that dies in the show. He's the one that, that Drogon gives the helmet. Yeah. Uh, Drogo, that's Drogo, oh, which yeah, is the Drogo. dragon. Yeah. yeah, the dragon. Yeah. Uh, call, yeah. call Drogo. I was going to say, here's your crown. Might have yeah. been Drogo, right? Huh? And then wasn't and then Cal says, Drogo her like the latest la- lo- like latest loss? Other than uh, I don't know. Yeah, There's, and I don't even think that was as impactful. Um, well, I know not. No, it wasn't. Especially because you know, it, especially once you figure out that she really like once she figured out her role in things. Because um, Viserys was really. Uh, he it's, was really primed to use her to gain power. It's really yeah. crazy. And, and then once she figured out what she could do, then the tables turned and she had no use for him. And really, she did love Khal Drogo, but he wasn't essential to her plan. It, it's it's oh, weird, no. too, because it's not so I mean, like I hesitate to say she loved him. Like in the in the books, it's more clear that there's more of a relationship there. But in the in fact, in the TV show, they go really uh, for, way, way further and, and just show her getting straight up raped um by drogo 
At least that, that's what I would call it. Um, yeah. and, and it's a lot more like she lusts after that power. Like it is kind of funny. I was just thinking about it. Like, like that she names the dragons after Drogo and Viserys, especially are, are, are really out of left field. When you consider the relationship that she had between those two characters and, and then finally Rhaegar and like when she names, you know, her, her actual brother who, you know, she loved and mm-hmm. was, you know, a positive figure. Uh, um, it's funny to me that, you know, she named the other two, but I guess she's like, well, I can only think of three names and I guess I'm not going to name it, you know, Mad King Dragon. So, right. um, <laughs> um, but you know, there, there was other family members that didn't make it, that it seems like it'd be more fitting to name her up, but yeah, we don't know those characters. So, um, uh, but yeah, I did, I did, um, I, I, I watched Jorah go out and I was just like, man, this is, this is his life's mission yeah. fulfilled kind of, um, and then where do we go from here? So we had then, uh, then I guess the next thing would be Arya and um, Melisandre having their discussion oh, where yeah. um, Arya reminds her that she had told her at one point that she would uh, close many eyes. Yeah. And, and she says something about like brown, green, green and, and even, lots of blue. Yeah. And even blue. <laughs> even um, blue. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think a, a, a pretty, you know, that was a heavy-handed foreshadowing, I think, for the 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 finale. And then, yeah, because the, then we don't see Arya again until until the end. Uh, yeah, um, she gets chased off by White Walkers, and actually, we think she's kind of in a bad way. But um, if I recall correctly, I could be just misremembering because a lot of shit goes down through this ep- episode. But I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember exactly the the. Term um, we get a great scene actually before that. How she gets to that is um, oh, I forgot, I forgot another one. Um, Beric. Um, oh. oh. So yeah, Arya, yeah, yeah. Arya is actually getting kind of she's she's kind of getting fucked. Um, you know, pardon my not like crude not language. like in episode two, no, where it was with Gendry. Yeah, <laughs> um, she's she's getting you know just chased down by whites and it's not looking good for her. Um, and then she meets up with Beric uh, Dondarrion, um, who is you know basically undying. Um, and he gets the flame sword and stuff, and that's cool. And uh, he's actually one of my favorite characters. The, yeah, and and. It's funny because you, the scene before that is you see her kind of in a bad way uh, through multiple different uh, or through through a different vantage point, and it's uh, right about the time Beric is trying to get the Hound to snap back into it and like get his shit together, um, and it's not working. It, it's not working, and finally he goes, "Well, like she's fucking doing it," and uh, yeah. Now the Hound is like, "Okay, now he moves," and he goes after, her. and so he ends up, you know, helping usher Arya through this horde uh, through which Beric goes down and. Uh, which was, you know, very sloppy allegory, I think. Um, yeah, because this is actually the scene that leads into the scene between Melisandre and Arya. Yeah, because, so that that scene, um, I, I, I'm sure they you talked caught... about they talked about how he was how the the new god, um, or the god of light brought him back for one purpose, and that purpose has been fulfilled. Yeah, and and the thing that, and I'm sure somebody's got a better take on this than me, but there's a scene very very heavily christ christ allegory um um where Beric is like basically standing between door frames arms outstretched in a cross pose uh, oh, yeah. uh and uh then of course gets speared in the side over and over and again and I, and I looked at my wife and i was like well um you know that wasn't subtle um <laughs> yeah so that you know that that they did that i i'm not quite sure the thing here there's a lot of theories about lord of the lord of the light and who that is and you know stuff like that but uh and Beric's role um but Beric basically at that point melisandre is like well yeah of course he died he fulfilled his uh duties and the lord of light you know lets him go and so actually i got a really good theory about that um um which we'll get to towards the end and why it, it has to do with the whole three-eyed raven thing um well let's talk about the three-eyed raven really quick because sure. there's a scene somewhere in this in this vicinity where um 
you know, uh, Theon and and the rest of the uh, Ironborn are defending. Yeah. Uh, Bran and Bran is like, um, I'm gonna take off for a bit. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's just like, hey, um, thanks, thanks, guys. I appreciate this. I'm I'm gonna. I'm, thanks for the assist, bro. I'm gonna roll my eyes in the back of my head and and warg into some crows. Yeah. I don't know why. It's unclear what Bran is doing basically this entire episode, but fairly quick. I think even before that, I think fairly early, like first act, maybe um, Bran just sort of works out for a while and you don't really see what happens. There's a great moment between him and Theon in which Theon says basically like in in not so many words, I'm sorry, I was such a dick to you. Um, It's kind of that that uh, the the feeling cute meme where he's like feeling cute might work into some crows and let you guys die defending me. Yeah. (laughs) I DK. Uh, yeah, it was a little like that. <laughs> but um, there's that scene between Theon and Bran that was really good. And I, I don't that, that was later. I don't remember. That was later. That yeah. was that was he he unwarged by that point. And, okay. And, yeah. and and we'll get to that. But okay. So anyway, actually, I think we're getting to that theory. Anyway, theory. I want to come back to. So Beric, why is he still alive and all that stuff? Um, one theory that I read this morning that I thought was very good and had some teeth is, um, so the Night King is basically the the uh embodiment of you know sort of darkness evil etc sure and then there's the lord of light which is supposed to be his basic opposite right um and, and i think there's there's a plausible theory that that is bran um so we've already seen this a little bit with hodor and bran um so like hodor yeah bran bran basically warging like we 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 know now that bran is basically like outside of time okay hodor go yeah hodor fuck off um so uh, we know that Bran is basically outside of time, and I think that one possibility is actually Br- Bran is the one manipulating and, and is actually the embodiment of the Lord of Light, and he's the one that is essentially controlling Beric's, uh, um, you know, immortality, um, in much the same way that he controlled, you know, Hodor. Um, they got and, him fucked up. Yeah, and now that he's the three-eyed Raven, he, uh, um, you know, has the ability to keep people alive like that, and so I think Beric actually. That could be one explanation for how he stays alive and, and, um, how his, you know, thing is. And that ties me back to that scene with Theon because Theon's like, Hey man, sorry I was such a dick to you. And, you know, you try to get you killed and all that. And Bran's like, well, it brought you here, didn't it? You know, so like there's this, there's this, um, theme that keeps coming back throughout the show. Um, most prominently with Hodor, Beric, even with Theon about like, well, it's it's like you're exactly where you need to be, and, and almost by design, like it, it's designed that way. And so, what I'm hoping we're gonna see in this next episode is like some explanation of that. Um, and it doesn't have to be like Bran sits down and just like draws a, you know, pulls out the whiteboard and does his like Back to the Future spiel. Um, but uh, uh, even though there's no possible way that Old Biff could have returned to that future, right? Uh, right. Which we're gonna talk about Back to the Future some more tonight, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, uh, but anyway, I'm hoping we get something like that for that because, uh, um, right now there's a lot of things up in the air that don't make any sense. So anyway, let's go, let's go to the th- Theon scene, I think. Uh, yeah, this is actually one of the more powerful scenes of the, of the night, I thought, because, um, and I was talking to somebody at work about this today. Theon is that character who, from the beginning, you're really like, all right, I'm going to really get behind this character, like from season one. Theon and Bran are together, and Theon is actually doing a fucking great job defending Bran against the Whites. Like that's that's what he, I'm telling you straight, with, the, with the flame arrows. And he he starts he goes straight legless. Like um, he's just pulling arrow, every arrow. Well, and every arrow is like a headshot. You what know? and what's crazy is like he reaches and realizes there's no more arrows, 
And then you're like, oh, fuck, he's fucked. He's fucked. And then, then and then he picks up that spear and just goes fucking ape shit with the spear. It's, yeah. It's absolutely fucking unbelievable. It's a great, I think, redemption point for Theon because this is the Theon that, you know, not, not so many episodes ago was so wrecked by um, fucking Ramsay. Well, that's, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, Theon is that, that character for me that, like, as I started this journey, I, I really, in season one, I kind of picked Theon out as kind of like, I'm going to follow this guy. Yeah, which is very dangerous in this in this show. Um. <laughs> it is, yeah. Especially because in, in 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 season one, Theon, I would I would um say is just kind of a douche. Like he kind of is, but like he also like I really felt like he was that guy that was gonna still have his brother's back and and meaning Jon Snow. Yeah, and at, at one point, um, because they had the bastard bond. Yeah. Oh, how not quite correct. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Not, Theon's, Theon's not, a bastard. not a bastard, but he got He's, treated like one because his dad was just basically like, uh. Eh, yeah, you're you're. Basically, I'm selling you to this yeah, family. Yeah, you're you're a, a part of a peace treaty. Um, yeah. Um, and so, and then and then he goes through that whole thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to defend the North. I'm going to go back to the the Iron Islands and um, pledge my allegiance to my fucking crazy old man." Yeah, and did not work out too well. No, it which it didn't, and and you keep seeing this guy just get treated like a bitch the entire time, and then Ramsey Bolton gets a hold of him, and then he thinks his name is Reek for a long time, and. PTSD is a thing, and yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was a bad scene. Um, and so, um, also the guy's been walking around without a dick for I don't know how many seasons now. So that's it's been quite a few. Um, yeah, not not good for the psyche. I don't think not probably great for the psyche. But then he really begins his his road to redemption. You know, he when he when he rescues Sansa from Ramsay. Yeah. Um, and they go through that whole thing. Um, and you can tell Sansa really is. Um, she's, gets she's my... team theon these days yeah <laughs> which is weird because she doesn't really take a stance on anything anymore uh yeah and no. we'll probably talk about that later on too because sansa's character is really like she's the only one that really doesn't have a a role well <laughs> at this point i, th- I think we're going to see that slightly more fleshed out soon um, yeah you, the, I, I do enjoy sansa's overall character i mean she was the lady of winterfell and she kind of held down the fort until um everything and the whole the, well, there's, the, the there's stuff a, with little fingered that needed so to happen I, I mentioned that scene earlier with Tyrion and sansa and uh sansa you know one of the biggest flaws with sansa early on is she does not understand how the world works whatsoever. fucking ever like no well uh, she's been raised to be a proper lady um she, she's been raised to be a proper lady but to the point of naivety like well she, she's she's like one of the most naive characters probably and, and only essentially second to like Ned, her role Ned was to be gifted you know to uh uh the baratheons yeah but so. I'm, I'm just saying like when it comes to naivety like she's clearly ned stark's daughter <laughs> like uh um, oh yeah yeah so uh she has this good moment i think with Tyrion, where Tyrion's like like I could, I should be up there. I should be, you know. What if I can see something they don't? And she's just basically like, "Nah, dude, we're a liability. Like we can't fight. Uh, we just need to stay out of the fucking way." Um, and and so I I, I like that scene a lot because it shows oh. kind of her character progression. And I, I love that the whole like we would have never worked. We're yeah. too much alike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's that. Um, that was a great scene. And then they, they both are hiding behind the crypt or whatever yeah. with the dragon glasses. They're getting overrun. Uh, um, I love it because they they there's kind of a look and they're just like, all right, well, we're going to die. So I guess we'll go make a stand. And then what happens at the end happens and, and it kind of becomes moot. But, uh, I honestly couldn't tell if we were going to go for like, they're going to make a stand or ritual suicide at that point. Like I, I thought, they Oh, I, I always got the impression they were going to go. They were, they were, cause yeah. they went on around opposite ends of the crypt. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, um, but anyway, they, they had they showed a moment where they like each kind of look at each other and they and love for a each second, other too. Think, That's the, the stupid thing is like they they do love each other. Oh, I, do I, think, I don't think it's as like a normal husband wife kind of thing, but like they've they've definitely earned each other's respect it, and it, it actually like a friend respect kind of thing. Not, not when, like a, it's more than friends. When we get to the epilogue of this thing, it yeah. actually wouldn't surprise me if Sansa and, and Tyrion just stay married. Stay married, yeah, yeah. just straight up. The, yeah. This scene was, I think, probably the most uh, um, evidential of that. So. Um, yeah, so I, I think, I think we got to get to the money shot now. So, um, sticking with Theon, he's, yeah. he's doing his best, um, with the spear and then all of a sudden the dead stop coming at him mm-hmm. and they part like the Red Sea. And then you see, um, about 10 miles back. Yeah. Uh, the, the Night King, um, and everything just stops for about 10 minutes as he walks slowly. No, it's not quite that he long, becomes but. visible after the first six i think yeah because it is very dark <laughs> it's a, it's a big march though um <laughs> and everything everything grinds to a halt um this is when uh bran has his conversation with theon and tells him he's a good man yeah and then theon nods to him and then just charges full on at the night king and the night king just grabs his spear and stabs it through him and that's kind of it for theon yeah um which thankfully, um, it, uh, so after about another 10 ish minutes, <laughs> as the Night King wanders up towards Bran, as saying the Night nothing. King traverses the five feet between where Theon fell and where Bran is, yeah, um, he slowly reaches for his sword, yeah, slowly, still reaching, still reaching, <laughs> getting there. Um, and then all of a sudden you see, um, what appears to be a wildling, <laughs> um, come flying through the air and then you realize it's Arya. Uh, and she's just full on going after the Night King and he grabs her. And this is, this is the moment that got me because I was like, oh, 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 no, you didn't. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. It's great because he, he, he sort of just full on has her by the throat. As, as, um, this is actually a great scene. So, uh, th- it is very tense leading up to the, the, this moment. I think there, there's a lot of, like, they deliberately stretch that time oh, to add yeah, the detention. Yeah. And then very, very quickly, like, it's the span of maybe two seconds. Um, you see Arya come in, leap out towards the Night King, and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Arya's gonna do it. And then the Night King just turns and snatches her right out of the air and holds her up at arm's length. Like that, that, you know, like power move of like just holds her up at arm's length. And you length. see her drop her weapon, which yeah. is like, you're like, oh, fuck. She's fucked. And then, like, just within the span of a second, like, you see it drop into her other hand and she, right into the Night King. Right into the Night King. And he shatters all the, the, the White Walker proper's shatter and then the dead just fall everywhere yeah and Viserion too Viserion shattered which is a good thing because we didn't mention it but oh yeah John John was about to make a stand and see if he was a dragon yeah uh John John was getting uh just uh battened down by um uh Viserion at this point um he was actually made some pretty good attempts at it though because he'd cut it a couple times he did he got it a couple of times because when it was breathing flame like there was flame shooting out the side of its neck where John had yeah had hacked at it hacked at it but it was pretty cool. Uh, um, but John was clearly not in a good way at that point. And so, um, that was another thing I was like, well, somebody better come save him. Like I kept expecting like Drogon or Rhaegal to come flying in and start f- fucking up, uh, Viserion. But, um, so essentially all the White Walkers got dusted. Yeah, more or less. Um, the, the White Walkers just kind of fell over. Uh, like the White Walkers proper, you know, the guys with they the white shattered. faces, they shattered. Um, Viserion shattered, but you know, the dead, the, the risen dead, they just kind of fell over. Um, uh, so anyway, and, and, you know, just went back to regular dead. 
And so now here's where I want to get into a few things because this is where I'm really confused about where we go from here. So number one, um, I've said for a long time now um, that Game of Thrones subverts your expectations into making you think it, that it's something it uh, is not. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll direct you back to our, our podcast um, that we did toward the end of season seven where we were just like, okay, so is season eight like primarily everybody versus the white walkers or is it is it going to be everybody versus cersei like so, what what's the what's the big what who's the big bad and okay and the, now we know and that's where i'm going that's is where cersei i'm going now. still alive at this point cersei's yes. the queen so that's where i'm going with this so okay, so that can't be the last list on Arya's list yeah because cersei's no, cersei's, cersei's still, still alive yeah all right so anyway what Sorry. i was saying though is um Game of Thrones is supposed to subvert your expectations in a tricky way and make you believe that it's something and it's not. And when it comes down to it, guys, look at the title of the thing. The, the thing is called A Song of Ice and Fire. It is very much a fantasy book. It subverts your expectations by killing characters that you think are, like, safe. You know, like, so book one, you think Ned Stark is, like, safe. You think he's, like, the hero of our story and blah, blah, blah. And then it yeah. just rips your guts out. And then it turns into, like, oh, maybe it's Rob. And then it just does the same thing again. Uh, and you go through that with a, a variety of characters until the end. Turns out if you're a male and you're a Stark. Yeah, not not good. Not good. Um, but uh, especially as you get around to book four, uh, book three, book four, um, uh, you start to see the, the, the story actually taking like its final shape. And so then it becomes to me like it, it becomes clear that no, our real battle is going to be Jon Snow and, and Daenerys against the Night King and the forces of the dead. Um, and so now I don't know where we fucking go because I firmly believed that going into this season that by this episode, somewhere in this time frame, you know, three, four, five, we would be seeing the end of Cersei. Um, and then we would see the real battle with the Night King and the dead. Um, so I and full- so now it, it appears that we're through that. It appears the dead are gone and now we're just back to politics. I, well, no. Because you don't don't forget Cersei's running with Sparrow mm. in that whole group. I, I I definitely think that we see that piece of the lore revisited. Um, we're gonna have an explanation from Bran at some point. I mean, if we don't, this is the worst television writing in history. Yeah. So uh, another okay, so. but here's another thing I want to talk out too, uh, to, or uh, throw out really fast. So there's a very big distinction between the books and the TV show. And that distinction is going to sound incredibly subtle when I say it, but it is important. Uh, and so in the television show, we call him the Night King. In the book, he is the Night's King. Uh, and so the distinction there is that one is more of an, a name and one is more of a title. And so I don't know 100% that we're done with the dead. Like, I don't know that that's the case. I think that there's a very real chance that he is not the sole, uh, 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 you know, dead king. Or it's possible he rises again because Bran didn't deliver the killing blow or Bran's champion didn't. Or, you know, there's, I, there's I, all I sorts there's, of different there's ways. There's lots you could, of ways. Yeah. Um, I, I think it is a very real possibility that we are sort of done with the Night King and whatever. But I, I just now I don't know what show I'm watching because I thought that w- what we would eventually end up with was like, yeah, you go on a lot of fucking twists and turns. But when it comes down to it, this is actually still just a high fantasy book. Like this is a high fantasy series. And and when it comes down to it, high fantasy means a lot more like the dead fight the good, you know, sort of the situation. There's dragons and shit. You know, and here's the thing that wouldn't surprise me is if we get the final book to this series and it's completely different. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, I mean, I know at this like point, really, that, really, George R. R. Martin is just sitting back, going, "You fucking gullible sons of bitches!" Like, like I, I know at this point that Martin um, signed off 
on where the show is going. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm not expecting the exact same story in the books. We've already got enough differences that, uh, um, that would, it'd be a foolish thing to expect, but I think all the major story beats are going to be there. Well, and again, um, we've talked about this in the past, how it's, it's, you know, the walking dead is a good example of this is, you know, we don't necessarily want the TV show, uh, to, to mirror the comic books 100% because we've read that. Oh, story. I don't. Um, um, although anything would probably be better than kind of where it is right now although it's gotten better this last season but now that we have most of the principal actors leaving or it's like what the fuck are we supposed to do now yeah anyway um, um that's a different topic for a different podcast but uh so anyway th- th- that's just that that's the main conversation that i wanted to have uh, or at least the the main thing that i'm curious about is like where do we go from here because i i find the idea of going to just have like a political bullshit fight or another you know just major battle at king's landing or something like that i find that to be entirely unsatisfying uh like compared the to only way it satisfies me story. is if Tyrion and jamie just and Arya, i guess all three of them get to just like strip little pieces off of cersei like little bits at a time <laughs> they're like, going to borrow all of, of they're going to borrow from the flayed man six. yeah yeah um yeah so i don't i don't know what we're doing here um it could be too that i've just misjudged the pacing of the season like it wouldn't actually super surprise me to see a big wind down like maybe the, the next episode we see cersei get taken down and the remaining two episodes are some sort of like next sort of phase the, um, the other thing we have to remember, too, is that unlike normal seasons of TV, what we just watched was episode three, but it's, it's also minutes. the halfway point. Yeah. Like, there's only three episodes left. Yeah. So, so that, in oh that, shit, there's, that's right. There's only six in this one. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the one we just watched also was 90 minutes. So And I think I think that's what we have to, to look forward to for the next three episodes. I think they're all at least 90 minutes now. So, what I'm curious about here is is this the peak? Like, was this the peak? This was the big battle. And now the end is going to be, uh, John and Daenerys, you know, uh, you know, uniting their rule, uh, taking down Cersei and then fighting each other. I, I don't, I don't know where we go from here. I mean, I'm not sure what I'm watching. Do you think John, do you think John makes a bid for the throne or do you think he lets Daenerys? John doesn't want the throne. John like, doesn't want it. I, it like where, where my, one of the big I curiosities I have is, is, I think is Daenerys going to be a bitch about it? Well, I think John's biggest battle at this point is going to be to prove to her that he doesn't want the throne and that he's perfectly willing to let her rule and be by her side while she does so. It wouldn't even entirely surprise me because we've set a little bit of a precedent now. We've got a queen um, in Cersei. Uh, I don't think she's even queen regent at this point anymore. Just straight up queen, right? Right. Yeah. So we've got a queen in Cersei. But so I think would, she gave herself that title. I yeah. Mean, well, fairness. I mean, that's the thing about but, conquest is that's what you do. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby Bobby B got the the title. You know, through the similar manners. Uh, so did uh, for that matter uh, the Mad King. I can't even remember Eris. Um, but yeah, uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, John and Daenerys get married, um, uh, but the queen still is the one that rules. The queen is the queen. Yeah. Um, or, you know, well, I, I you mean, know. he does technically have the right to the throne before her, but yeah, he the, does. He, he's never wanted it. The other big question. Well, he didn't even know he was eligible to be fair i mean that's the other thing too is like it's well but even like when he was like leader of the night's watch you know he didn't want to be the leader of the night's watch he just realized that he was the only one that was going to be able to do it half competently yeah yeah so like that's the thing here um and and, you know doesn't that make him the most logical choice in the end yeah never never trust the um, and with winterfell he was in line for the throne of Winterfell, he's like, I don't want that. Well, that yeah. would have been that would have been Rob Stark, though. Like he, King of the North, the King of the North, King of the North. Um, so what? You know, the the other curious point too is we may be having a, a an 
argument that is relatively moot um, because we've already brought John back from the dead one time. There's nothing to say he makes it through the series. There's nothing to say Daenerys does. Like, there, there, there's any number of ways that this could go south. Tyrion still. could end up being the king before everything's all said and done. It, we don't it know. wouldn't even surprise me if that's the setup. John and uh, John and Danny die. How different does Tyrion look in the show compared to what he looks like in the books at this point? Uh, freakishly different because uh, he's a um, skeletor nose. <laughs> like he yeah, doesn't have he, half his face. He does. Um, so uh, as it is, um, um, you know, like. He may be a dwarf, but fucking Tyrion's a handsome man. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to call him Trask. Trask, yeah. Um, Trask is Trask is a handsome man. Uh, but in the books, no, he's already like he's much more goblin esque, and then he gets his fucking half of his face ripped off, and it's not like that, a little scar he got in the. It was that that uh, the scene where he uh, donned the battle axe and the armor um, yeah. when they were defending the harbor from uh was it yeah it was from the other baratheon right um stannis or stannis. i can't remember it i think was, it was stannis. when stannis when yeah, stannis battle of the blackwater yeah yeah um so anyway the, so anyway I, you know that's that's basically the end of the episode and the big question for me is now I, where did the, where does the rest of the season go and I, I think it could be that what we're gonna see is the denny ma so, sort of thing the epilogue uh, um it, it could be that this was you know sort of the big the big battle uh, in the you know the really the 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 uh, climax of the series and uh, the the rest is going to be cleanup. I, I don't know that that could be satisfying if done incredibly well. It could also be that I'm missing a big piece, but I just think that after you go from a, a theme that large with the Night King and the that's the real story. Like to me, that's been the real story this whole time, and it's just been like, how do we get there? How does humanity survive that when all we want to do is kill each other? Uh, um, it, I, I just I don't know where we go. So. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We are at Whatever Show on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Whatever Show. You can email all of your questions about Game of Thrones or Endgame or whatever, uh, questions at whatever.co. Um, we will be back next week. But before that, you know what? Very lucky. We have a whole Endgame special, Avengers Endgame. We did like two and a half or so hours of content on Endgame. I hope you listen to it. It's going to be in your feed soon. Uh, thanks everybody. Good night.